Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. fallout continues folks the fallout continues from the firing of james comey i uh, what i tell you what i tell you uh, it, look um it depends on who you ask of course i still think that the uh the huh, i still think this is going to get much 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 uh worse i think this is going to uh, really develop uh, or increase the sides okay uh distinguish the uh the various lines in the sand that's what i think is going to happen um i I really do and i know that uh joe and i had a a somewhat of a disagreement we we were we were in agreement in with the generalities on the other hand we were in disagreement with with how this is going to play out and i think that uh i think what we're going to see here over the next 72 48 hours 72 hours is more of a call to uh of impeachment of uh calls for a special prosecutor you know all of this i think was pre-designed at least from the progressive left um it's kind of like pulling the trigger they knew that the the left knew the communist left knew um that this was going to happen and they were ready to pounce i believe um at any time so you know it's kind of interesting because if you're the owner of a company especially a, a company that uh, you've got key key personnel when's the best time to fire that person you know it, it's it's a question on a friday well yeah that's what they say right but but it, there's a question though um you know when is a good time and we walked through this yesterday, folks, in case you didn't catch the first hour. We walked through this this whole thing yesterday. Uh, we're going to be talking with our guest, the dark journalist, about this as well today. Uh, um, he's going to be coming on, and I'm sure he's going to be t- has a lot to say about this. But, but see, here's the thing. I'm not liking what I'm seeing on the other side. Of, uh, you know, I, what I believe, what I believe, and Joey, I mean, feel free to, to jump in on this. What I believe here is um, what really doesn't what what really matters the most is what President Donald J. Trump represents or has caused in terms of the people of the United States to feel uh, to emote you know to 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 embrace. It's a movement. It's not. It's it's. He's created a movement, and that movement is what is what is important, in my view. It's a movement to counter the communist, progressive, Antifa people, the Revcoms, and that kind of thing, and to deconstruct the Obama legacy. The <laughs> uh, whenever you talk about deconstructing the uh, the Obama legacy, the progressive left just goes crazy and and i think uh this plays into it but 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 the bottom line is it's it's not about 
just about President Trump. It's about the movement that he created, which is larger than the man himself, in in my personal opinion. The Comey firing is going to be painted, and is, I believe, from what I've been seeing, is being painted as, as uh, obstruction of justice, perhaps. Oh, my goodness, he's firing the very people who are in... Yeah, I, I, I caught a I caught a, a news bite uh, this morning. I think it was on Morning Joe, perhaps. I, I'm not sure. Where never before in the history of, of this country has the President of the United States fired the man that's investigating the President. So, it's firing the investigator that's investigating the President. That's the perception. That's the perception. The perception, not even the, not even the, the truth or the facts. Um, one thing that I w- was interesting to me to see was the media's reaction and mm-hmm. how far were they going to push this? How, you know. And how far are they pushing it though? And, and didn't I say they were going to take this to the end? Right. And, and today in the office we were talking about this a little bit and I said, you know, it seems kind of as a pretty tame response from the media. And I, mm. and I guess I should clarify that. Some of the talking heads that they bring on, not so tame. Um, there's a good example. Ma- Maxine Pardon Waters me. Um, today, you know, basically said that uh, she would approve if Hillary Clinton was president and her firing of James Comey, <laughs> but but they should impeach Trump for for impeaching uh, for firing Comey. I can almost, you know, I can almost understand that statement. Well, I understand uh, the mentality can, of it. Yeah, I can almost understand how that she gets from A to B to C to, to D on that statement, but. Oh my goodness! Come on. So you know, uh, one of the, the there's a few talking points that that have come out of this, and folks go to HagmanReport.com. We got a number of articles up there dealing with um, some of the interesting uh, news pieces that came out of the the Comey firing. Um, you know, Hillary's campaign uh, former campaign um, Jane uh, Mook, Robbie Mook. This terrifies me. You yeah. know, we, you have those yeah. kind of responses. Uh, Terrified. You know, John McCain. Oh, snowflake. You know, the big thing is, is again, the misconception that um, James Comey was the beginning and end of the Russian investigation into the Trump campaign, which it's, you know, false on its face. And, and this is where i got to say the media was a little tame because they, um, some of them, have been more level-headed, at least in picking up the fact that the, the investigation is going to continue, you know, even beyond Comey. And that's one of the points I was really looking at because if they played into the narrative that, you know, this killed the Russian investigation, then I can see, you know, um, some of their, uh, some of the actions they would take to try to move this forward in a, in a way that would, you know, hinder Trump's presidency or try to remove him from office. But, uh, I, I do believe that this is going to die down. Um, but again, they're going to add it to the list of, uh, you know, offenses. That they believe Trump has committed, you know, Chris Matthews said this was a, a fascist uh, act, and you know this was dictatorial, unprecedented. These are some of the words that have been thrown out there, but it, it's really not. We went over this yesterday. Uh, Donald Trump is the president of the United States. He, he's the head of the executive branch. The FBI falls under the executive branch, and, and technically, if we remove well, Comey, if we remove Trump from the equation and put you know any president and any FBI director in there. That president, with cause as well within his rights and job description, to fire the FBI director with cause. Well, 
It's not with. Right. I mean, it's not like he's uh, look trying the, to fire a senator. The attorney, or, okay, but, but it's the attorney general and then the deputy attorney general, and we went through. Like you said, right. we went through this yesterday, and of course the AG's office is over the FBI. The FBI is part of that, and uh, the realignment. You have to also understand too the realignment that took place uh, under uh, well, the last decade and a half with respect to putting everything under the under um, the, um, uh, the DHS umbrella. All of the, you know, the the various intelligence agencies, but people aren't thinking. People need to think bigger in terms of what we're seeing. Um, and but I, back to what I was initially going to say, I'm not liking what I'm seeing with respect to Kissinger and in the Oval Office. Yeah, What's that so about? You know, you're looking at McCabe coming in, number two guy, perhaps to stand in. Of course, McCabe has a lot of baggage there. Um, uh, hopefully, he'll be the the, the next to go. The manner in which Comey was fired, and I think this is an important, uh, important uh, distinction as well. The one thing that we didn't cover yesterday is the manner in which Comey was fired, and that is, he finds out about it. He's teaching a, or speaking to a, to a class in L.A. and finds out about it on the monitors, you know, the news monitors uh, uh, while he's teaching. Thought he was being punked, I guess. And that is, that is, if you if you follow the history of Donald Trump. Uh, as a businessman and as if you understand his techniques and that is sending a message to others in that manner it's basically a horse's head in the bed of others um, the, say what you will about that uh, I'm just it's not that I endorse it or I'm, I'm decrying it it's just very simply that's the message it does send uh, Portions of Life's broadcast brought to you by Pro Flowers oh Pro Flowers the winners of our, excuse me, our Pro Flowers um, will be announced. Uh, the contest uh, you're going to have uh, you're going to have an email in your inbox for the fifty dollar gift certificate. My goodness, some of those stories were so funny, and and so we thank everyone who uh, participated in the contest. Pro Flowers, uh, folks, visit Pro Flowers. We've got a fantastic offer for you, even if you didn't win. Uh, you can send a hundred blooms for uh, for mom, uh, hundred bloom for mom bouquet from Pro, Pro Flowers for Mother's Day. Uh, this will make a really great impression. Actually, they've got a great deal. Just all, all you do is go to proflowers.com and enter Hagman in the microphone box, and uh, wait, hey, hundred blooms for mom with a free glass vase starting at nineteen ninety nine. Visit proflowers.com. Use our code Hagman in the microphone box. It's a great deal. And I got to say uh, more on that later. Yeah. What is today? Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Monday, I ordered the hundred blooms for my mother for for Mother's Day, and I'm, I haven't gotten her flowers in a while, so um, I know she'll really enjoy them. Oh yeah. But they're, I don't know if beautiful. I've seen the hundred blooms before, and I know how how nice no, you, those flowers them, are. No, you've seen them at my house. Oh okay. Well, I wasn't sure about that specific. Um, you yeah, very setup much, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. no, it's uh. Uh, always good, and again, those lilies I got over two weeks ago from oh, my house are still, are, great. are still kicking. So yeah, they have great stuff. You know, and and this is the important thing as we go through life, and I really want to make this uh, personally. Uh, look, times are rough. I mean, I mean, the events. I shouldn't say times. The events, uh, the news. It's heavy, and it can get you down. But but please enjoy. Your spouse, your your children, your grandchildren, the world around you. Get out of the house a little bit. Take a walk with the dog. You've got to decompress sometimes. So you know, even though you want to kind of keep an eye on what's taking place, you also have to live. 
you know, and, and, and that's so important. And, and understand that, that God's got this, right? And in, in the end, God has got this. If you, and, and I do hope you believe in God, but, but He's got this. So He's, however, that doesn't mean we can turn our head, turn aside, you know, not pay attention. As a matter of fact, I, I gotta tell you this, uh, it was great because, uh, this morning I was in my office and I got to my office really early. And, uh, anyway, about five to seven, I thought, you know, I'm going to catch Coach Dave live. Coach Dave Dobmeyer. So I, I, <laughs> I, I, I went to Coach Dave live and I'm using a different computer in, in my office and I'm clicking some buttons and I'm thinking, all right, you know, what do I, how do I, because I usually catch them on archive anyway, so I clicked a few buttons and bam, I'm I'm in there. I'm I'm watching Coach Dave live, and pretty soon I hear this, "Hey, Doug Agman," and, and I'm looking around like he can see me. <laughs> That's funny. What button did I push, man? I didn't know he could see me. And, and then uh, I guess uh, I I thought, man, you know, Coach has got some. Some power up here, but anyway, I've never uh, listened to Coach's live show. So, oh yeah, could he great. see you, or could he just see your presence in the? No, he could see me, and so could like everyone else currently. <laughs> so I'm glad I was dressed. And, no, I, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, I know I, I just I didn't know that. Um, uh, so, so we spoke. Actually, I got to interact with Coach Dave live. Usually, again on archive, I just listen and, and view. But uh, it was really interesting, uh, Coach Dave live from seven to eight Eastern. 7 to 8 a.m. Eastern Time. And so it, it surprised me, though, because I, I guess I pushed the wrong button on the computer. And uh, I, I, I guess I was part of the group as opposed to just being a spectator. Um, but anyway, look, the landscape is changing, and you can see that. You can see, I, I, th- I think, the, I think the, the battle lines are being drawn here. And I think we have to realize that what we're seeing is is uh, we're we're in for some bumpy bumpy times. Also, portion nice broadcast brought to you by Sherry's Berries. My goodness, the wonderful berries, folks! Visit uh, berries b e r r i e s berries dot com. That's berries b e r r i e s. Same code Hagman. Use our code Hagman. They they have an amazing, absolutely amazing deal. With uh, freshly dipped strawberries starting at nineteen ninety nine plus shipping. Oh, it's a great deal! And you know what? You can double the berries for just ten dollars more. Visit berries b e r r i e s dot com. Enter our code Hagman when you click on the mic. Uh, nineteen ninety nine plus shipping for just fantastic. Oh, succulent, decadent uh, chocolate covered strawberries with all kinds of toppings. And uh, for ten dollars more, you can double the berries. It's just great. But the only way to get that deal, berries dot com, use our code Hagman. But you know, um, so I, yeah, I'm I'm interested in what everyone else thinks out there. And I've been watching the commentaries uh, of normal people, like all of us. We're just normal people, right? Mm-hmm. We're just working guys, working. We're just out there doing our stuff. I'm I'm interested to see. Uh, what many of the, the normal people are, are, are thinking and, and saying about this. And it's interesting because I, if we consider ourselves normal, so who do we consider abnormal? Of course, the, 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 the communist progressive mindset people, the, uh, uh I'm with her crowd, the, uh, uh, you know, feel the burn crowd, the Antifa people, the Revcom people, those to me are the, 
uh, or even the Muslims as well. And I'm I'm not sorry to say this, but but you've got to take a look at the different factions within the United States. And have you noticed that the United States has been sufficiently balkanized already with this illegal mass alien invasion, where not just Americans with different political ideologies are are have been fractured, but you've got fracturing along other lines as well. And you've got these groups such as the um well the Cubans, the the, the Mexicans who are starting to weigh in a little bit heavily, more heavy on this. And you, this is kind of creeping up, okay? It's, it's not overt, as overt as the Antifa, you know, the, the, the Marxist communist people. But this is kind of creeping into the various segments of, of society. And even into flyover country. I've noticed this. This is what we got to be careful of, and this is what we've been trying to prevent. And this goes back to, remember the news, of course, of the weekend. France is gone. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Okay, so this, um, and, and there's some strange things that happen with the, with the French election. But if you watch what's going on in Europe, and, and you see France, and you see what's going on there, uh, the push toward this, you know, the the nationalist movement has been, Bumped, or I shouldn't say, yeah, it's almost like we have to watch our words now. Nationalist movement is not national socialist movement. It's the um, borders language and culture, as Michael Savage says. It's that, that, it's that, um, it's our country kind of mentality, as opposed to let's just throw open the doors and we're going to just be one big happy subservient population to a single global governance that suffered a blow via France and I think that um, I think that's important to really to watch as well all of these dynamics are taking place it's an exciting time to be alive it really is a very exciting time to be alive there's a a new headline up on on Dredge right now um, which is from the New York Times it's giving a little bit of insight a little bit more insight into the process that led to the firing of Comey it's titled "Enough Was Enough." How festering anger at Comey ended his firing. And I'm just going to read the the first paragraph. The countdown to the president uh, to President Trump's dismissal of James Comey, the FBI director, began last weekend with an enraged president stewing over Mr. Comey's testimony to Congress last week, when he admitted being slightly nauseated about doing anything to get Mr. Trump elected. So that right there, just that first paragraph, tells us a few things. That this began last weekend, which counters some of the claims that, you know, there's shock in the White House. Unexpected. I mean, it's only been... Don't, you know, don't forget, uh, uh, um, the Deputy Attorney General was confirmed 14 days ago. Yeah. We're at day, yesterday was day 109. 14 days into it. And, and you have to understand too, Joe, and, and I think people need to really comprehend this. The... Um, the confirmations, okay, the Deputy Attorney General was confirmed 94 to 6 in the Senate. And I think the one thing that's extremely important is the pushback against the forward movement of the Trump uh, cabinet, uh, the, you know, getting things together. And I, and I think that, that um, 
if this was Obama, for example, in the White House right now, and the and Obama endured such uh, uh, such pushback on on nominations, because you know you uh, you know I, I guarantee you there's going to be a real fight for the nomination of the next FBI, the head of the FBI. You, you know that's that's going to be a real fight. Um, yep. So they've already said as much. Yeah. Uh, so, so we, we, I mean, there is a huge double standard here. And, and, and one more thing, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, one thing that really got my, got me going is the treatment of, uh, by Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski to the, uh, the, uh, not Sean Spicer, but, uh, Huckabee's daughter as uh, press secretary. Uh, Ms. Huckabee, uh, I can't, I can't remember her last name. She's the one filling in for Spicer. Yes, right yes. Yeah. She, she appeared on, uh, she appeared on Scarborough's show on Morning Joe, and Mika came out and and called her a liar. I, I mean, now again, the double standard here is, well, can you imagine this happening under Obama, and what happened to the civility? This is why I believe that the civility is the 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 degradation of the civility, I believe, is going to play an important yeah. role as we see the country go further and further into, into this devolution. De- no, you're exactly right. Go ahead. Um, you know, there was a clip, and I was debating whether to, if this was something I should post on the on the website, of Betsy Davos giving a speech at a graduation ceremony for a college in Daytona, Florida. The whole speech, she was booed uh, they yelled profanities at her. Ms. DeVos was booed. Yes. I mean, right. I mean, I'm talking by the whole group of of graduating class to the point where the dean got up more than once to interject to the audience, telling them, uh, you know, you can if you, this continues, you will get your diploma in the mail. Um, but it, you know that we've seen that uh, on the left in in the uh, opposition to any type of conservative speakers. That you know are out there, we see that that hostility. But when we start to see it in the in the news and mm-hmm. in the yep. you know coming out of Congress with with, with different congressmen or, or senators or even former officials, it 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 is pretty concerning, and it is not you know uh, in itself uh, a story. To an, I mean, depending on what's going on, but and, and how the how bad the reaction is, but uh, the overall attitude. And the overall, um, just disrespect, as you said, the disrespect, yes. the lack of civility, the lack of even treating Gravitas. people like human beings first, you know, that they're, it, it's all po- political, you know, jargoning to, you know, there's this vacuum in the Democratic Party right now. And, you know, people will see some that will admit it and some that, that won't. Um, but the, the Democratic Party is in, in pieces right now. And the, and that, that's just one issue in, inside of itself. Uh, there's no leadership there, and they're right. they're searching for leadership. So a lot of the you know these these uh, liberals and, and progressives who come on TV and, and use that as a platform and an opportunity to you know show that their uh, their politics are in line with you know the rest of the extremist left, and and to make a point or to marginalize or, or put down the president, they're going to do that because they are all trying to fill that leadership role. That's right. So. Some of that's expected, and I think it will die down a little bit after they find their next, you know, wonderkin. 
but it does speak to an, a larger problem, a much bigger problem. And that, you know, begs the question, when the next presidential election is held, we'll say that these people get what they want. If we have a next candidate, I'm wondering if we're ever going to have, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to have another we, Well, the election. question is, say the, the Democrats run a, a, against Trump, a good can, a candidate that wins in 2020. Will that civility return when they get who they want in there? I don't believe it will. And that's what's most concerning to me. Because that will soon turn into rage if these people have power. And they will act on that. Then you'll see, you know, what these people are warning. I believe this, that when these people regain power, all the things that they're saying about Trump, you know, that he's a fascist, he's a, a Nazi, he, you know, he's a racist, a bigot, you'll see that in that next candidate. And not only that, it will be acceptable and, uh, it will be cheerleaded that this next president goes after his political opponents and enemies. Kind of like Germany in the 1930s. And that's where the, the real danger is. You know, we all thought that it had to die down after the inauguration. You know, the craziness. But they just continued to intensify with their false narrative and lies about this Russia investigation, that there's something there. I mean, they've been into this for eight, nine months now. They haven't produced one shred of evidence. Yet half the country believes that it's a real scandal. Not only that, they believe that the evidence has already been laid out in front of the American public to the extent that it's more than an impeachable offense, but a criminal offense for Donald Trump to continue to sit in the White House, that he should be facing jail time. So with no evidence whatsoever yeah, yeah. to verify that claim. And, and Hillary Clinton can get away with the emails. Right. Weiner can get away with uh, sexting, texting, and, and the emails. Aubin can get away with all that. All of the people in their in their orbit can get away with what we're seeing. And, and yet, there's crickets except for, uh, you know, not now, of course, you know, Donald Trump, we, we need to investigate his Russian ties. We need to clean house. We need to clean house. One more thing before the break, folks. I want to tell you, uh, there was a huge, huge, huge arrest in the Philippines. Vile images have emerged from the inside of the home of an American man suspected of exploiting Filipino children. David Timothy Deacon, 53. He was a child this, born king. Is yes. His title was. Yes. Pizzagate BS, right? To those people saying Pizzagate is a nothing burger. Look, you understand the pedogate is huge. This is part of it. This is part of it. Understand what I'm saying and more to come. We got a great show for you tonight. Daniel Litz from darkjournalist.com will be our guest in hour number two. Pastor David Langford will be our guest in hour number three. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com. That's our primary. Uh, so that's the place to go for news. There, from there, you can you can hit uh, Hagman and Hagman.com. That's that's show information, show show everything show related, and of course, I'm on SecurityUS.com. It's something I'm going to be uh, going to be cultivating more. It's amazing how the evolution of investigations are coming. Um, again, we are decidedly our mandate has changed. Um, in Chicago, Russ Dizdar gave a gave a wonderful presentation, and essentially he said, "You know, I'm tired. I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of hearing about the problems. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? You know, he, I, I, I just to paraphrase him, he said, you know, if I see one more video or read one more article about the problems, only the problems without a solution, you know, I just don't want to do that. And, and, and Russ has assembled a team of, of investigators, tremendous, it's a, it's a fantastic team, and he's advising law enforcement and such. And we have uh, uh, some investigators that are working uh, on our behalf and infiltrating some of these uh, 
groups, these uh, Revcom groups, these uh, communist groups across the nation. And we're going to be uh, publishing a lot of that on HomeunsecuredUS.com, but the the thing that we have to be careful of is is the the investigation aspect. You know, you can't give away too much. You can't, there's there's a very fine balance when you're dealing with the uh, public disclosure of information, but just keep Keep watch because there are things that we have found out of late that correspond with the findings of, uh, like citizens, uh, uh, citizens audit and such. It's there are some things taking place that are decidedly, I believe, uh, absolutely 100% uh, seditious and treasonous by the former by members, former members of the Obama regime. These are these are these uh, pinko uh, and in some cases. You know, communists, strictly communist in ideology, who are involved in the delegitimization of the Trump administration, never forget this. In the the red green um, marriage, the marriage between the communists and the Muslims, you'd never think this to be the case, um, or the gay and lesbian. Uh, group and the Muslims. I mean, who would think of that, especially when they're chopping off heads and throwing the, uh, uh, the gays off bridges and, or the homosexuals off of bridges, uh, or buildings or stoning them. This, however, the, the communists are using these, these, uh, this, the organizations to advance their ob- objectives. And in 20 minutes, the, the post will be up on HagmanReport.com. But there's actually a um, there's a story today. Just real quick, I want to make sure I hit this. A liberal student at a a uh, liberal college who is is uh, homosexual, and right. he is he's going there to give a, a talk on the the hatred of L, the LGBTs from Muslim nations, and and he's being protested from his own by his own base because of their uh, conformity and acceptance of radical Islam, which is insanity. These people are advocating for the very people that are murdering them in places like Saudi Arabia and Iran. And this guy who's trying to shed some light on this issue is being shut down, even amongst the people who, you know, they agree with them on everything, uh, you know, with the the lifestyle and, and the promotion of it and whatnot. But even the truth is being censored because it's not popular. It's not it's not the way they perceive Islam to be, so therefore uh, it can't right. be. All right. Yeah, and you, yeah, and there's more, more, and more to come on that. And this, folks, just put this in the back of your, just put this, kind of file this away somewhere. Uh, one of my sources from inside the Beltway had given me a name as perhaps one of the people that uh, that will be not or will be uh, suggested to replace Comey as FBI director, and that's Larry Thompson. Now, Thompson served as Deputy Attorney General at the beginning of the Bush administration. And um, he's African American. He's he's a black man, and he was. I think he was already floated as a possibility to replace uh, Ashcroft after Ashcroft resigned back in '04. Uh, now I'm not sure. I I don't know how many people out there. If you're listening to this or watching this, I don't know how many people know Larry Thompson or have heard of him before. But keep that in the back of your mind. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, before we go uh, much further. Mother's Day this weekend, ladies, guys, have you have you taken care of mom? 
Have you taken care of mom? Or, or the wife of your, your wife or, or the mother of your children? How about, how about that special person in your life that you just want to say, I love you? Or thanks for being there. Have you done any, but Mother's Day, you, you gotta, you, you can't forget mom. Well, pro flowers, pro flowers at, I'll, I'm going to tell you right now, you will be a hero with pro flowers. You know, when you send the, um, when you send the hundred blooms for mom bouquet from pro flowers this Mother's Day, you're going to make an absolutely fantastic impression. She will just be floored. The, the hundred blooms for mom bouquet comes with a free glass face for just nineteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. And if you really want to make a statement, and this is what I strongly suggest, you can upgrade to a premium vase and include gourmet chocolates for just ten dollars more. That's it, ten dollars more. You cannot beat these prices. Choose the delivery date you want, and Pro Flowers are guaranteed to arrive fresh and beautiful and stay that way for at least seven days or your money back. And as Joe has testified to it, and me and my wife and my daughter, everyone who's gotten flowers from Pro, Pro Flowers, their flowers last so long and they're fragrant and they're beautiful. They arrive in a beautiful pack. I mean, let me tell you, this is Pro Flowers class act all of the way. And you know, every mom, they love fresh flowers and Pro Flowers makes it so easy to send the perfect Mother's Day gift with this huge bouquet. Imagine a hundred blooms. Don't forget all of the moms in your life, whether it's your mom, your grandma, your wife, and other mother figures this Mother's Day. Here's the deal. Now listen carefully. The only way to get 100 blooms for mom with a free glass vase starting at 19.99 plus shipping and handling is to visit proflowers.com. Click on the microphone in the top right hand corner and use our code Hagman, H-A-G-M-A-N-N. That's proflowers.com, our code Hagman, when you click on the mic. This stunning bouquet, it sells out fast. So folks, order today, proflowers.com, microphone box, Hagman, and I guarantee you, you're going to be the hero or heroine, and Mom is going to just thank you and love you. Joe, I'm going to toss it to you, sir. All right, this segment, uh, we got a, a sponsor of the show who's a returning guest and has uh, has has a product that the Hagman and Hagman audience just loves. Alan Riggs from Greenovative is our guest, and we're going to get into some interesting uh, things in, in this segment, one of which... Um, Mr. Riggs and, and the, the team at Greenovative have uh, found some interesting things. They have made an interesting discovery, and we're going to let Alan come on and, and tell you what that is. Mr. Riggs, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's great to have oh. you. So so what's going on over at Greenovative? Oh, wait, wait a second. When I found out about this, I I, 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 I actually I doubted. I, I thought this was fake news, and you know how much I hate fake news, right? Uh, J- John said, "Hey, uh, you got to read this." And I'm, re- I'm reading this, and I thought, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." Did, did Alan Riggs really send this, or did, is this true? So, folks, listen to this. I, 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 maybe he's going to be in the, in the uh, invention hall of fame or something. I don't know, but Mr. Riggs, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I, as you, as most folks know, I make the uh, innovative T-Mag saltwater power battery. And everybody who's familiar with us is familiar with these power pipes. 
They're replaceable. Each pair of them is equal to about 130 AA batteries, charged about 130 batteries. Since we made this, since we first introduced the, the battery charger, everybody wants more power, more power, more power. That's all we hear is more power. So when I got to these, I thought, well, Steve Quill, Steve Quill, more power. <laughs> Captain Kirk, more power, Scotty. Tim Allen, more power, rewire it. And that's what we did. We rewired. Everybody wants more power. So I thought if you just swap these out, you have all the power you need. But I was thinking a couple of weeks ago that maybe I could make it more powerful. And we need a drum roll or something. These are the, these are the only two before. Sorry. The S word I did. I know. Thanks. These are the only, these are two of four triple powered, uh, power pucks in the world. I just invented these. These, each pair of these weighs about 4.4 ounces. The ones I just showed you weigh a little bit over three ounces. So for another ounce and a half, this pair of power pucks will charge 300 AA batteries. That means that two pairs of power pucks would charge 600 AA batteries. Now, Alan Riggs has got a pretty good, pretty big pair, don't you agree? <laughs> Sorry, man. I couldn't resist. Go ahead. They're, they're even better. They're three times as big as they were last week. This, these are two pairs of power pucks. You can put them in your pocket. You can put these in your front pocket. That's 600 AA batteries. If you had another pair, put it on the other side. You now have 1,200 AA batteries in your pocket. Weighs about a couple of pounds. And 1,200 batteries will weigh about 50 pounds. So if you want to put something in your go bag, you want to have power on the go, we've made it so this is nearly a daily use device. If you charge six AA batteries every week, one pair of these 300, 300 battery chargers would last for a year if you charge six batteries every week. Can't beat that. We have, we have, we've made a real big, real breakthrough here. I have one other pair that I, have run continuously for about 60 hours, and you can hardly tell that they've been used. So I wanted to tell you that uh, everybody's been asking me for more power, and we did. That's awesome, Alan. And, uh, I mean, when we think about the types of situations that you would uh, need this for, you know, the, the emergency, survival, uh, you know, disaster-type situations, you have to think beyond you know, what you and your family might need in these situations and think what other people around you might need. What could you do in your capacity of preparing to not only help yourself be better prepared, but also help those around you to be able to work together um, to accomplish certain things? You know, when people aren't uh, worried about the basic survival necessities, shelter, food, water, if those, um, you know, worries are are much less because you have the the, uh, resources and are prepared to do so, you can expand and do other things and continue to, uh, you know, look for ways to um, find more food and, and whatnot. You're not just scrambling to survive. And this is something that, you know, I believe uh, people need to, to put into practice today. But the of the ability to recharge batteries, I mean, think things like flashlights, I mean, the application uses are endless, anything that, that batteries take. Um, but, but you know, and here's the thing, folks. Um, I, I didn't mean to take your no, stride, sure. but, but here's, what I, here's, what, here's what I think is so important. You know, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry was on our program on April 25th of this year talking about the possibility of an EMP. 
what Mr. Riggs has, greeninnovative.com has, is an EMP-proof device to charge batteries. All right, so if you've got a microwave you can use as a Faraday cage, perhaps, and put some small electronics in or a Faraday cage, whatever. But this can charge it. This can save your life. And we're all about solutions. And Mr. Riggs stepped up to the plate. And i got to tell you, this guy never sleeps. He's out there creating stuff to help you, help us. And we're all about solutions. And I, I applaud him because he is trying to do, he's just, he's just trying to find solutions and make life better in perhaps an untenable situation should the grid go down or should something happen. And, uh, look folks, um, you know, it, it's going to be bad enough, but this stuff here, but what his product, um, that's why I'm glad he's on showing this. So this is not just a, hey, look at this, you know, look what you can buy. This is American ingenuity, hard work, the solution potential for your problems uh, should everything go south. And thank you. Thank you, because we need more guys like him. We need him and more guys like him. Well, let me let me show, thank you. And let me show you what the Hegman audience has has created. I kept getting feedback. We want more. We want more. So what we did was we put a package together that we called the complete. And it's based on the feedback from the Hegman and Hegman viewers. It comes with the replaceable anode charger, six 2,000 milliamp hour battery, the power puck we've had forever, extra batteries, every extra 1,000 batteries, the AAA batteries, the USB charger for charging your cell phone, all of the battery adapters. This was great. The feedback I got from folks was really good, so we decided to go do it. And everybody has wondered. So the last time we talked, folks have been telling me that they wanted a barter pack. So, don't mean to be turning away from me. So we created the barter pack. We don't know what situation you're going to be in. Maybe your money's no good anymore. Maybe you're in a situation where help can't get to you. So you might want to swap one of these with parts of this for food or water or ammunition or medicine. Lots of things you can do. It comes with one of our double power chargers, six 1,000 milliamp hour batteries. So you don't have to give your big one away. You can give pieces or parts of this away. Maybe you give them a cell phone charger. Maybe you give them the adapter. Maybe you give them just the batteries or a charger. And this, too, came from the feedback from the Hagman and Hagman folks. It has just been a, a joy to work for, with, the, with these people. They've called me, just, just called to say, hey, God bless you. I appreciate what you're doing. And my uncle Fred bought one, and he loves it. So it's just been a, a great experience for me. Well, that's fantastic, and and we want to thank the uh, the listeners out there, um, especially for uh, not only supporting our, our show by by supporting and, and and taking advantage of the, what the sponsors have put together, but also for the feedback because that's how, what better way to um, not only you know create uh, different different packages for you know the the users who are, who are using your product, but also that feedback helps you uh, in areas uh, where you might not even know you have issues or, or want to improve and we would urge and, and continue to urge listeners to uh, provide that feedback to to Alan Riggs and, and any of the sponsors that you use it's um it's probably the best feedback you can get is you know when you when you hear what works what doesn't work what you think would be better if it's changed and any ideas you have um, that's how what makes it easier for you to do your job I'm sure Alan it does it does and I want to point out at about this time whenever I'm on Doug starts wrestling me about a discount well, I beat him to the punch. 
I didn't get all the way to 15%. But the discount from now until the 1st of June is 12%. Can we live with 12%? Sure. <sighs> I don't know. No, I, I got to tell you, for this 12%, absolutely. And, and, folks, this is a great deal. It really is. You know, it, it's, again, this is about not, uh, maybe not saving your life, but perhaps, but survival and, and maintaining a level of survivability. 12% is a gift. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and well, thank you. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing for the last month or so. Uh, and uh, I'm excited about it. And the world has been changing a lot day by day. It has, you know. Uh, Mr. Riggs, you know, your device, um, I, I don't know of any other like yours. If there are, certainly, I, I would believe there's subpart of yours, but I've been using your device just because I can. And I've got to tell you, um, it's every bit as good as an electrical outlet, in my view anyway. Uh, for charging devices, the batteries, devices, and such, I really, I, I just, I, I really thank you for creating this device again. That that could be a lifesaver, um, and, and we're all about solutions. And and you, you know, we have to think about what's ahead. So okay, so you, well, let's kind of recap with your with your packages just to make sure that we've got. Right. Uh, go ahead. Well, right now we have a twelve percent off the. Uh, what we call is the uh, the complete package, and with that we've bundled a uh, barter pack. So you get a discount on the complete package, you get a discount on the bar- barter pack, and then all together you get a discount uh, because of the 12%. By by the morning of 12 May, we should have our new super pucks up and running, and those are they start out at uh, where our start out $39 for 300 batteries with a charger. And then for every pack after that, I give you a bigger and bigger and bigger discount. So the more you can buy, in fact, being able to put 1200, the equivalent of 1,200 batteries in your pocket where it would take a small red wagon to carry those around is kind of a cool deal. Yeah, and you said that the 1,200 uh, batteries weigh about 50 pounds? And they do, yeah. So so what what you've discovered with this extra power, I mean, really... Uh, I can't see a situation where somebody's carrying around all those batteries, but you never know. So this, I mean, this just puts you right over the top. And well, in their bunker, you know, they got 1,200 batteries up there in case you need them. Yeah, yeah. They might be dead when you need them. But, but, and, and that's, I, I've had that happen. Um, has anyone ever had a smoke detector? Batteries <laughs> go dead and, or, you know, or dying and they're beeping, beating the smoke. So, so you go in the drawer to get the batteries for the smoke detector. And you and you replace them and and you find out they're dead. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. So, I like this idea. It's uh, I really do. It's yeah. power on demand, anytime, anywhere, in any weather, day or night. And I just want to say, you don't need no stinking sun. You don't need no stinking wind. All you need is a little salt, a little bit of water. That's right. And EMP proof, no moving parts. Mm-hmm. Very portable. It's, very it's simple. It's Doug Hagman proof. I can't, you know, <laughs> hit buttons and stuff and screw it up. If I can, I mean, any seriously. And if you don't have salt water, you can actually pee in it, and it'll work. That you can. I normally tell folks they can go back behind the bushes and fill it up, and it'll be fine. 
Well, it, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and this is true American ingenuity, solutions for potential problems, preparation as needed. Alan Riggs is the man. And on top of that, 12% discount on the complete package, greenevative.com. Greenevative.com. Go to hagmanreport.com. Click on the link and get in. There you go. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you, Alan, for, for joining us and, and, uh, uh, explaining the, the breakthrough you guys had and, and, uh, showing the audience the great packs that you put together. And, and folks, take advantage of, of this offer. If you have any questions, go to greenevative.com and, uh, Give Alan a call and and see if, if you guys can, can. I'm sure he has answers if you got questions. So, greenovative.com. Alan Riggs, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to talking to you in the near future. Thanks for having me. God bless you, my friend. Yeah, Alan Riggs is a good guy, man. I'm gonna tell you, he uh, he really. And, and this to me is what this country is all about. And and our our program too. It's about providing our listeners with solutions. Mm-hmm. You know and. And, and, and I've, I've seen, I've seen, uh. Where are you going to find a better, I mean, where, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not too technological savvy, technologically savvy, but, um, you know, where are you going to find the ability to, to charge batteries and, and to have this, uh, portable, uh, power generator, you know, for such a low cost and, and, you know, lightweight, easy to mobile. That's right. Um, you can't beat it. So take advantage of it. Yeah, I'm glad we teamed up with, uh, Alan Riggs. He's a, he's a, he's a stand-up guy. He really is. And he knows his business and, and, Thank you, Mr. Riggs. You know, I, I, I found something from October 6, 2016. I just wanted to touch on this. Well, it, let me go back because before the break, I had mentioned about the, uh, uh, the, the recent, uh, the recent bust in the Philippines. And I, look, this is on the Daily Mail from the UK. And this is about David Timothy Deacon, 53 year old American national in the Philippines suspected or uh, charged with exploiting Filipino children, children's underwear, cameras, bondage cuffs, fetish ropes were strewn about the two-bedroom townhouse. The Let me jump in uh, here real quick. 30 hard you. drives, by the way. 30, 30 hard drives. I wonder, yeah, paging Anthony Weiner. I can just hear the voices now. Well, what does this have to do with, with Pizza Gator? What does this have to do with... Oh, nothing, nothing. This, no, go back to sleep. Look, just because, and I want to make this point because I don't think we've, we've talked about this really. Just because, uh, these people, a lot of people are waiting, you know, they want the John Podesta arrested. They want, you know, Hillary Clinton. But see, those are just, you know, that, that's, you know, just a tiny little thing that's happening over here. This stuff, when we talk about, you know, the, the bus that happened, we always talk about, you know, the people who are, uh, caught receiving it or, you know, viewing it. Never the people who, create this stuff and distribute it well this is one of those people and it's a start and um for those who might think it's not important in the grand scheme of of, of what is known as pedogator pizzagate you're wrong because things like this when and what you said about the computers can lead you know to countless other people who he's interacted with in uh pertaining to this, this right. content and you never know where that's going to lead so don't Oh, and I think we do know in this case. You're never going to see, and I I wish I'm wrong here, but you're never going to see, you know, John Podesta perp walk for child pornography. Well, uh, we, we, yeah, but you know, this is in our view, and he's he's not been charged, by the way. That's how you get it done, though. You you continue to go after those who are are making it, distributing it, and hopefully you get lucky along the way and and find the right crevice of of, uh, interconnectedness between these people that leads you where we need to go. 
You know, if, but this is just as important. If you go to the, da- uh, the the Daily Mail and look at some of the pictures, look at the, how this pig lived. I was wondering what that was. That's his house. Yeah, it's right here. I mean, oh I'm not even going to show you. Uh, this the, the hoarder of fast food wrappers. No, no, the, 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 this is mental illness plus. Yeah, and, and you know, it, 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 it tells me a lot. It tells me a lot when I. You know, when, when people are trying to, to, to shut us up, and, and it's amazing because I, I, I see the criticism on the internet of, of my quote whining about uh, people trying to shut us up. Well, y'all can, for those people who are, who are saying that, okay, what the hell have you done? What have you done? And I'm going to say, what have you done to help the children out there? What have you done? Nothing. All you can do is bitch and moan and complain and point fingers and say, he's not a good Christian, or he's not, you know, on and on and on. What have you done? Folks, we are up against the break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Daniel Litz from darkjournalist.com. That's Daniel Litz from darkjournalist.com, a returning guest. We're going to get into some, uh, we're going to continue to talk about news and current events, and uh, we're going to get into some stuff with Daniel. Then coming up in hour number three, Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com will be our guest, as he is each and every Wednesday in the third hour. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke. Fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Hagman Report. For those wondering what I was yelling at before, I was I was yelling at uh, people who are very critical about the. Uh, I, I was not yelling at our audience, but you know there are people out there who are very critical uh, about. For example, uh, the way we do things, or uh, they're attempting to, to um, well, they'll contact our sponsors, for example, or they will do things to to shut us up, to to, to take us down, take us off the air, and they they think that they live for that. They believe that that is their Christian mandate. That that you know that we are actually not helping the. Um, the or we're, we're we're practicing, for example, conservatism or Christianity improperly, um, or we're you know we're just simply for profit or whatever. When in fact, you know, Russ Dizdar, for example, he's got a whole team who assists law enforcement who goes out into the dregs of of humanity and rescues children, uh, captive children. And I, I'm not going to speak on his behalf uh, because I don't know. I just don't. I'm not going to do that. Um, considering the fact that he's got active investigations, but but we are also doing that as well. Okay, so to to our critics and to those people who want to take us off the air and and, and say, well, you know what, um, you're just you're um, or whatever the case might be. My question is, okay, is that your task as a Christian or as a conservative to do that? Is that is that what you've done? Is that so? That's why I, I was angry. Because the majority of people out there who are in the position, some some call them accusers of the brethren, some call them just whiners and complainers. Um, those people out there, my question to you is, what have you done to assist in the um, assist in cases like this, or to expose the evil, or to rescue children, or or, or you know insert the task here? And generally speaking, 99% have done nothing. And their whole mission in life is to tear down others. That's why I was angry. So, so and, and for that, I apologize. And I apologize for yelling in anyone's ear. So, um, that, that, but see, sometimes, look, I'm human, okay? Uh, I've got faults. Many, just ask my wife, just ask Joe, just ask Eric the tech. Um, but, but this, when, when I see pictures like this, and I see pictures that, that I cannot show you at all, I can't show on InfoWars, I can't show on this platform of, of some of those horrendous things. And then 
it's just it's it just really it, trust me when I tell you it, it's incredible um, and by definition of that word incredible but I'll tell you what what uh, what is really what puts a smile on my face as well as others Sherry's berries you know Mother's Day again this weekend moms are great aren't they my, we you love your mom your wife for example the mother of your children that special person it's Mother's Day is this weekend. How important is your mom or the, the mother of your children to you? Show her how important she is. Again, Mother's Day is this weekend, but there's still time to send her Sherry's Berries. Huge, freshly dipped strawberries starting at just nineteen ninety nine plus shipping. Right? And you can double the berries for just $10 more. You get to pick the delivery date, and these berries are guaranteed to arrive fresh, and delicious or your money back. These are not your typical gourmet dipped strawberries and will impress and surprise any mom. Sherry's berries are huge, sweet, juicy, and covered in decadent toppings, chocolate chips, chopped nuts, white milk, dark chocolatey goodness. Oh, I can just, I mean, when we got get ours, oh, they're just so good, man. My mouth is watering. But here's the deal. The only way to get this amazing berries deal, starting at nineteen ninety nine. Plus, shipping is to visit berries.com. That's B-E-R-R-I-E-S, berries.com. You click on the microphone at the top right-hand corner and use our code word, Hagman. It's just that simple. That's berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S, berries.com, and code Hagman when you click on the mic. This amazing deal won't last long. And again, Mother's Day is this weekend, so be sure to order now. Tell mom how much you love her. Show her how much you love her. Sherry's Berries. Berries.com, code word Hagman. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Coming up now is, is Dark Journalist Daniel List. His website is darkjournalist.com, and Dark Journalist is an independent investigative uh, reporter and filmmaker who coined the term dark journalism to introduce critical areas of research and investigation that the mainstream media refuses to touch. And he is a returning guest on, on this show. Daniel, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, it's great to see you guys. Yeah, it's great you to see look, you. Yeah, look dapper as good. usual, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, now I have to keep it up. I guess. <laughs> so, all right. Where do we start? man? I, I mean, seriously, where do we start? Where do you? Well, you, uh, you're already all over the Comey thing, and I knew you guys would have a great report ready for that uh, because it is earth-shattering in a lot of ways, but... You know, it's interesting because although I came on tonight to speak about the secret space program, I can tie in the Comey firing to the secret space program. <laughs> oh, I, 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 okay. I, okay. This will be good. Put your seatbacks in. Yeah. Buckle up, put your seatbacks and tray tables in their full upright and lock position because we're about to hit some turbulence. I got to hear this. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so here's where we'll start. Comey, who was fired, uh, he was very controversial, and we knew at the end of the uh, 2016 election he was playing both sides, basically. Couldn't quite figure out who was going to get in and kept popping up in this election, swaying it one way or another. Um, but a couple of things about his background would really inform us about why he's fired. Because when you fire an FBI director, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, the president is completely course within his rights to fire any official in his administration but uh, you know Comey was going to be done in 2018 anyway 
So, you know, there was a reason to get him out. And it's kind of interesting. There's a couple of things there. One is that Comey actually uh, was involved in the prosecution of the Gambino family. And uh, this is a very interesting kind of deep state take on this. But there were a lot of forces, you know, around the country. Half of the deep state was supporting or I would say even more than half, uh, supporting the Clinton campaign. But there were elements of the deep state that broke off and were supporting Trump, and one of them had to do with his older casino ties, and some of those ties came from the mafia. Um, and part of the mafia's beef, basically, was that with things like Obamacare and so on, people had to take more of their money and give it to the government. They didn't have it to spend on casinos and, and other stuff. But uh, so there was a whole battle going on underneath the scenes there. So you can see right off the bat that Comey wasn't looking too good uh, having this history of being involved with prosecuting elements of the mafia and leaving other elements alone. Um, but his real, I think the real trick to him being fired has to do with the fact that before he was FBI director, he was the senior VP of Lockheed Martin. And Lockheed Martin being the major uh, military contractor along with Boeing, you know, they, they have this pressure net around power in Washington. And one of the things we have with Trump is he doesn't like to be pressured. Uh, I think we've seen that as the kind of CEO alpha male president that he is. This idea of being manipulated by contractors, you know, the minute he got into the White House, he started complaining that uh, these contractors were billing him too much for Air Force One. This is code language, really. You know, on the surface, it's just a guy complaining. But really, what he's saying is there's a new sheriff in town. And uh, so Comey, being in with this military contractor, military intelligence type of crowd, as the FBI director, isn't going to cut it if you want to be free from the deep state. So you've got to appoint your own guy. Now, let's watch very closely who he gets in there, because I guarantee you that person is not going to be such a slave of the deep state, and he's going to have some kind of relationship where he can feel like he can get control of this apparatus that's out of control again. You know, um, one of the things that you pointed out was was the uh, the Comey's history uh, with, with prosecuting certain cases. Um what are your thoughts? A lot of people say that he was basically a defense attorney for Obama's and Clinton. What do you think? Do you think that there was um, outside pressures, as you talked about, like from the deep state uh, or people in the the with influence in the political world, as to not charge Hillary Clinton, or was this something that you think he did as a favor? Because obviously he he came right out and said that she committed a crime, but because. And his excuse was there was no intent behind that crime, therefore he was not going to charge her. What do you think the reasons are uh, for that decision? Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. I, I agree with that. You know, those hearings between Trey Gowdy and Comey from uh, the fall are just fascinating because Trey Gowdy can't believe, with all the things that Comey is saying, that he's not recommending prosecution for Clinton, uh, who, you know, took classified materials into her home server and put them in a barn, you know, in Chappaqua. <laughs> That's definitely unusual behavior. And uh, the media and, you know, the power that was going on to try to get her into the White House must have been an immense pressure, you know. And for somebody like Comey, you know, they were, they were cutting deals left and right. We all remember the tarmac meeting that was going on with Loretta Lynch where Bill Clinton shows up 
it's 110 degrees out and he just strolls over to her plane. I mean, it's very unusual behavior. And it's the kind of behavior, actually, that's indictable. So they were taking such big chances there. Um, but I do think that when we look at Comey, we have to look way beyond the facade of, here's an FBI director, you know, and he's caught in the middle. It's a lot deeper than that. I think one of the things about Comey that was interesting was you could feel when he let Clinton off the hook that he knew he had done something that was, you know, he probably, yeah, what they were telling him probably was she's getting in the White House. She's your next president. You know, you better let her off. And a number of his investigators, you know, Judge Napolitano has done some very good research on this. A number of the FBI investigators working directly under Comey all recommended that uh, he recommend an indictment. So the fact that he didn't is extraordinary, I think. Um, but we have to say the pressures on him might come from traditional political space, but the military contractors now have so much power that if he was senior VP, that's how he got in. So if they were backing Clinton and then he recommended that she be indicted and throw the election to Trump, you know, what kind of a position is he going to have with them? I think that's probably what was on his mind. He's a fascinating figure, I think, in all this, in that he felt constantly like he had to come out and give these press conferences. And uh, FBI directors don't do that. You're going to have to look really hard in history for an FBI director to comment on any case. They really don't like mm -hmm. to. So uh, I think Comey's total deep state figure, and there was loud applause from people who were, you know, interested in America and freedom when Comey was ousted. Uh, you know, Catherine Austin Fitz was one of the first people who said, you know, this is just, Comey's just one of many people who have to go. Absolutely. Now, uh, back to the, the Hillary Clinton emails, and this was something that was in the news, uh, Comey testifying last week about um, the emails again, and Huma Abedin came up and Anthony Weiner. Uh, what, the same rationale behind you know what he said about Huma knowingly forwarding email message to her husband who doesn't have the the proper security clearances to read this information um, and having him print it out Comey came out and and said during this testimony that well Anthony, he, Anthony Weiner didn't read these emails <laughs> like he was there every time one was printed out um any uh, do you believe it's the same thing that he was pressured not to, you know, move forward with charges against anybody else around Hillary Clinton for the same reasons as you stated earlier that she was going to be the next president, uh, you know, very likely. And uh, and I have a follow-up question to that. So, okay. Well, I wouldn't trust Weiner with a Google account. <laughs> Never mind uh, classified information. I mean, he he's definitely he's an unusual figure in as much as he was actually a very good candidate for mayor for New York for a very long time before his obvious, you know, he has a kind of a need not only to do these things, uh, this kind of deviant behavior of sending around images to underage uh, girls, but he also has the penchant for getting caught. And very often it's by his own hand, you know, he, he clicks public on his Twitter and it goes, you know, it's, so it's a, it's a weird psychosomatic thing. But you do have to worry when you have this kind of a character around Huma Abedin, who was the closest thing to who was going to be the future president, Hillary Clinton, you know, the Democratic nominee. I mean, these are not the kinds of people that you want running the country, for sure. Um, I think that the 
The Wiener laptop, though, probably, in all probability, was the thing that spun the case eventually uh, to Trump and spun the election to Trump because whatever was on that laptop that they didn't prosecute Wiener for probably said to half of the deep state, you have to stand down and you can't fix the voting machines like you normally do. And you're not going to be allowed to fix Michigan. You're going to let the vote go through. Or we're going to use what we found. Because remember, Giuliani was deep in that whole NYPD. You know, he, he knows the New York scene. If they had the laptop, he knew what was on it. So, you know, Giuliani was so tight with Trump during the campaign that uh, you have to say that this was something that was just, you know, fell into their laps practically. And I think there was kind of a stand-down order on either side of the deep state saying, look, we won't look, we won't use what we found on that laptop, but you can't rig the machines. you got to let the vote go through. And that's why the convincing vote for Trump came through and he won the Electoral College. Okay, yeah, you answered my question there. <laughs> you, you did. So, Okay, now a couple of things. Um, the, the last time an FBI director was fired by a president was Sessions back in, what, 94, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, okay, so it's what, 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 what's happening now is not unprecedented. No. My question has to do with the manner in which Comey was terminated. And I think that has, uh, I mean, can you speak on that a little bit? Because this to me was the equivalent of a horse's head in someone's bed, referencing, of course, the movie The Godfather. You know, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on that? There's no question. You're absolutely right. Um, it's very unusual the way it all went down, and also that the Russian uh, ambassador was visiting. But I think that this is important because they try to scapegoat Russia, that is the deep state, the media, uh, and, you know, we say the Democrats, but it's just people working through the machinery of the Democratic Party. It doesn't have much to do with a person that you meet who's a Democrat. So I like to separate that out a little bit. What it is really, and I think what was happening, is that they were scapegoating Russia, and they were bringing it up as a kind of red scare you know, and I would talk to older people and ask them, do you remember the McCarthy years? You know, and they they were shocked because they were like, we, we haven't seen this Russia scapegoating like this since the 50s. So it was very unusual tactic. And what was most unusual about it is the Democrats are very often, you know, in that period accused of being commies, you know, and there was all that red scare around the Democrats. For them to come back and use those tactics in the 21st century on their enemies is, you know, not only is it archaic, but it was bizarre. And they had everybody in on it. You know, even Saturday Night Live and Stephen Colbert were running this Russia thing. Well, that's all part of the same apparatus that operates, you know, and they turn this thing on. And I think what was happening was the deep state, uh, and I had a conversation with Professor Scott, who coined the term the deep state recently, and asked him about this. One of the things that he was saying was that, you know, we have nuclear weapons that are coming up for a nil. Obama okayed a trillion. The new president's supposed to okay another trillion for renewing them. But if you don't have a nuclear enemy, there's not a good case for it when we're already 20 trillion in debt. But those military contractors want the bids, so they want to be able to do this. So, in essence, 
the, the nature of the problem was that they needed Russia as an enemy. They needed Cold War 2.0, and that's what Hillary was promising them. But Trump, when he got in, as we know, he said, I'll probably get along with Putin. I have no problems with Russia. You know, he didn't want to get involved in Syria. But he had a lot of problems in the first two months. They were hanging him up left and right. And then out of the blue, it seemed to change course, and he did that quick bombing of the runway without really harming any of the uh, infrastructure of Syria. And that whole little wave came up, and he got a little wave attention, and suddenly the Russia narrative retreated, and the press was like, okay, you know, you had guys who were like Bilderberg reporters, like Fareed Zakaria, and he was coming out and saying, good job, Mr. President, you <laughs> know, uh, this was extraordinary. Brian Williams talked about the beautiful weapons that we were using, you know, it was, it was unusual. Um, so their Russian narrative, they thought, okay, we're back in business, but then here Trump, again, signaling to the deep state, I'm not going to play your game, fires the FBI director, which I think is a pretty large-scale move in any case, but uh, not unheard of, but certainly large-scale, but also has the Russian ambassador in, meaning I'm not sort of going along with this Russian narrative, Cold War 2.0 thing. It's not going to work. I'm going back to what I came in here to do. This is the message I think he's sending. And now everybody wants his head on a platter again, just like two months ago. Here we are. So I think this is the nature of the thing. The deep state wants the rush attention. They want the money for the military contractors. The Democrats uh, want to go along with that. And elements like John McCain and Lindsey Graham in the Republican Senate. I've never seen a more ridiculous uh, senator in the Republican Party than John McCain. Yeah, you absolutely. know, this is absurd. Um, Oh, hold on just one second, sir. Can we forego the network break? I, I don't want to miss a minute of, of the dark journalist. I, I, I love his analyses. I, I love this, uh, and I think every, every minute counts. So, uh, if that's alright with you, we're going to just power right through until the top of the hour. Alright. Wow. So. Okay. Well, I want to say I really enjoy the reporting that you guys do. It's excellent. And I, I tune in often. Well, thank you. And, and folks, uh, go visit, uh, his website. Darkjournalist.com. Thank you. I, I knew that, but thanks for, thanks for the assist, brother. <laughs> uh, Daniel, you were just speaking son, on the, son. the hypocrisy, uh, that we see sometimes. And we don't have to get too far into this. I know it's, it's, you know, crazy and anybody with any common sense can see right through it. Just to give you a few examples, um, we had Maxine Waters today, uh, give an interview where she stated, that if Hillary Clinton were president, that Hillary should have fired, should fire Comey right away, but Donald Trump is breaking the law, basically, uh, by, by firing this. When the timing seems to be an issue that, that some of these people have with the firing for whatever reason. And then, you know, we, we see, um, you know, Maxine Waters, you mentioned John McCain, the other shoe's gonna drop soon, there's other shoes that are gonna drop soon. And when we see this, and we see this with the, with the media too. Now, uh, yesterday, my, my dad thought that, and he's right. The, the news and these politicians came out and took the opportunity to score their political points and call for, you know, you know, say Trump the, uh, abused his power and he's overstepping his authority. Um, how much of this is political jargoning or, or, you know, to be the talking head on the news that is insulting Trump, uh, versus, you know, the hypocrisy there. Cause you had all these Democrats saying they wanted Comey. He was incompetent. He was, you know, a disgrace to the FBI. He's going on a witch hunt against Hillary. All these Democrats who are out there 
saying how terrible Comey is are now, you know, bashing Trump's decision to fire Comey and stepping up to defend him. Uh, how much of that is just, do you believe it's just political jargoning versus how they really feel? And then uh, I have a secondary question. If I can interject one thing, what, what Joe just said um, reminds me of that joke where a young boy uh, has a very sick cat, and the parents go to him and say, Johnny, I'm sorry, but we had to put your cat down. And he's crying, inconsolable. And little Johnny looks up and says, but I wanted to put him down. <laughs> you know, that to me, that twisted mentality, yeah. okay, that's the, that to me, that's an example of the twisted mentality. Hopefully I didn't offend anyone out there. Yeah, can, can you just comment on the, on the hypocrisy from the left and again, how much of this is how they actually feel with their, uh, you know, uh, continuing flip-flops versus how much of this do you believe is, is they're, they're doing this to please their base and score political points. Oh, by the way, Doug, cat lovers everywhere definitely will forgive you for that because it's just an analogy. You're telling a story. Well, I don't know. Some snowflakes might be looking for their uh, toys and <laughs> safe space. Safe space. I do think that uh, there's something to be said about, you know, ordinarily when we look, let's even go back to 2012. You'd have, like, the Mitt Romney people and the Barack Obama people, and you'd get people coming out and saying, well, you know, I don't like Republicans because some Medicare issue, and a Republican would come forward and say, you know, um, they're not strong enough on defense. I mean, these were traditional back-and-forth issues. You see a lot of that go on on a regular basis, and you expect it because, as politicians, they're each trying to get the football. Uh, so that's not so much of a surprise. However, when they get into narratives that don't suit what their ideology is supposed to be, this is when... We really have to take a look, and accountability has to come into play. To take someone like McCain, for example, I mean, he's a Republican, and his basic beef with President Trump, and the reason that he's constantly going back to Trump as a colluder or all this kind of thing, is that, uh, with Russia, is that um, Trump's not enough of a war hawk for him. He, he liked Obama's war hawk tendencies uh, you know, bombing Libya and stuff than he does his own Republican president, who is an America First guy. Now, the America First faction, I think, that we have in America, you know, comes out of that association of manufacturers, the real kind of people have a feel for it, and you have a whole other strip of political power that are the globalist, corporate globalist faction. They don't care about America. They see it as another zone. As a matter of fact, they see it as a consumer zone, so they're not even worried about the manufacturing aspect of it. So I think when we when we look at this and we look at the political forces, somebody like Maxine Waters now finds herself in agreement with John McCain. This stuff gets that gets pretty weird. It starts to show the veneer of the parties isn't what it is. It's actually globalist versus what you would call somebody who believes in humanity. So it's inhuman versus human, because we know the globalists don't believe in fair labor practices. They've got suicide nets around Chinese factories and things like that. So they certainly couldn't be called on the side of humanity. And then people who want to, you know, believe in the national sovereignty of America as a leader in the world, um, 
you know, there's no doubt that those people are the ones that they they really haven't had a voice. And I think really the last person they had who spoke for them would have been, you'd have to go back to around JFK's period. Um, because he was very concerned with America's image in the world. And he, he didn't want us to go around bombing uh, countries and getting a bad reputation on the world stage. He was very concerned about that. So, you know, the America first thing, instead of being a selfish thing, is actually, it's smart in a number of ways. Because it's saying, look, Americans have a constitution. They're loyal to the constitution. The citizens work for the benefit of their country and they work for good associations with other countries. Globalism and the global corporatism of that people like Jeff Bezos and the Davos crowd and the Bilderberg crowd, they're very concerned with owning the world as different zones that they can operate their businesses through. But that doesn't, you know, there's no laws that bind corporations the way that they bind governments that are accountable to people. You know, for example, um, you might be familiar with the program in the FBI called InfraGuard. And InfraGuard is a program where, you know, they set up corporations and regular citizens to basically dime on each other, you know, so like dime on your fellow citizen and get points. And um, But they've made it, it's a program through the FBI. So what should happen in a case with InfraGuard is you should be able to go to the FBI and say, well, give us this Freedom of Information Act request on this and this and this case. But because they've made it public-private, InfraGuard now comes in and they say, well, we're actually holding that because it's a corporation that owns this part of InfraGuard because it's public-private. So anything that's important, we keep with them, and you can't get those records because they're a private corporation. So this is the way corporations operate. There's no accountability in that. And uh, the thing about the government, at least we have a shot at making them accountable because under the Constitution, they're still accountable. You know, I, I declined uh, an invitation to join them for guard back 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. So. It was a good move, actually. They do make it attractive. I've seen uh, the way that they approach it. It's, they make it about defense of the country and all this, but actually right. it is citizen surveillance, and that's, you know, by the Constitution, that ain't going to cut it. Yeah, very uncomfortable um, when you start peeling back the layers of that. I, I In a perfect world, perhaps the intent might uh, save the day, but in reality, it's not what it... No, I yeah, it's just wow. Okay, uh, Daniel, while we're, we're we're talking about Comey and the FBI, I want to make sure I ask you this: any thoughts on um, a replacement uh, for Comey? You said that you believe and you would hope that Trump would put somebody in there who's not affiliated with the deep state, uh, somebody who's independent from the political sphere, and you know really doesn't lean left or right one way or the other. Maybe a political atheist is a good word for that. Um, who would you like to see in there? That's a good question. Um, I think a guy like Trey Gowdy actually would be quite good uh, because he's shown himself to be really interested in the execution of the law, and he's got a great background, a legal background. Um, one of the things I think that we do have to watch the background, um, Trump seems to have a better kind of compass for appointing in legal positions. I think his Supreme Court justice uh, choices that and he seems to know that part pretty well. Uh, I've been a little concerned 
about some of the kind of homeland security style appointments. There's too many generals popping up everywhere, and you have to kind of balance that out. So uh, definitely, I think what would be ideal for an FBI director is that they got someone who didn't have such a military sense of mind. It's about domestic investigation. They need a real sharp legal expert. And even Comey, I think, being senior VP of Lockheed Martin was a conflict of interest. And uh, they should have looked at that before he even got in. And it's odd because Obama put him in as the uh, one of the only Republicans in his cabinet. So he certainly must have had that deep state pull, as we know, because there's a, a Democrat appointing a Republican for a really important job. But if we look back to the FBI, I mean, you know, the FBI is J. Edgar Hoover. It's his mandate moving out, and he was there till 73. Um, and it's it's very hard to get these guys out. The FBI director, like the CIA director, packs their own power, and it's not as easy sometimes to remove them. There's a lot of considerations. So I don't think Trump did this lightly. I think his reasoning had to be, you know, I think he had it in mind that if Comey didn't start to change from the types of positions, being so public about everything, that he was going to have to have him step down. Um, but you take a guy like J. Edgar Hoover, I mean, his thing was to monitor all the politicians on Capitol Hill and then blackmail them with all their activities to get them to do what he wanted them to do. And that's what the FBI is kind of famous for in many ways. Uh, there's great FBI agents and great FBI cases. I'm just saying when you get into certain levels of power, there, it starts to become, you know, we remember that uh, J. Edgar Hoover was blackmailing Kennedy about his affairs. I mean, that, that takes a lot of guts. He's your boss. <laughs> his brother is your boss, the Attorney General, Robert Kennedy. So, you know, there's a memoir that Robert Kennedy was doing before he died, and he said that he always regarded J. Edgar Hoover as dangerous as a rattlesnake, which I think is gives you an idea of how they felt about it. And they were really, you know, deep in their own kind of uh, insider power. But coming in, if they're regarding somebody like Hoover as that dangerous, you have to wonder just, you know, the kind of tactics that are used when we get up to that level. Um, I think there is something that has to be looked at in terms of the military contractors, the intelligence agencies, and agencies like the FBI. You know, the FBI in my opinion, uh, has done a lot to cover up in, in very crucial cases because the, the power that's exerted comes from the deep state, which is a combination of factors having to do with intelligence agencies, having to do with Wall Street power, and having to do with this kind of secret combination of power, which we don't get to see on, on the public basis. So there are some things, you know, somebody would say, well, how can you say that about the FBI? It's because the FBI is both public on one hand, this one aspect of them, but there's a parallel force running against these institutions. We know that the CIA practically operated as two entirely different units. They had a regular unit that did spying, and they had this other unit that did domestic um, activities, and they did covert activities, and they were completely unaccountable. Nobody even knew what they were up to. Uh, so... You know, this is the kind of power, I think, that we have to claim back. And if appointing a new FBI director might really be part of that. All right. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I've seen a few names thrown out there from Rui Giuliani to uh, uh, Chris Christie and, and others. Uh, but I, no, I think I that think. you get you start dipping in back into the political, um, you know, base of people you're looking at. What, what you talked about earlier is the um, you, you need somebody independent because the confirmation alone is going to be, you know, so hard. And, and you already have senators and whatnot coming out and saying they're not going to confirm anybody unless you know they're this or they're that. Um, Right. You have any other questions on Comey? I think we can. No, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I, again, I, I agree with the very measured and detailed analysis that you provide. Our guest is the dark journalist, darkjournalist.com. Um, thank you. And, and it's, in well, one more question, because I said this yesterday, and I got a, just my inbox exploded today. Um, <laughs> I said this yesterday, and I want to ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, this firing yesterday, May 9th, 2017, of Comey by President Trump, scale of 1 to 10, the ramifications political uh, that, that, it, that, that it will have, what would you say? 10, 9, 1, middle of the road? Oh, it's it's way up there. Okay. It's way up there. But it's at least a nine. All right. But the thing is, it's uh it, it's a calculated nine. It was a it was a factor where he reasoned it out. It was not a knee jerk firing. Uh there's no question about it, because one of the things that Comey was involved in uh was this Russian collusion investigation and they found over and over again there were no links uh to Russia when it came to the Trump campaign. They had very flimsy links to Flynn, and they it was kind of a crucial incumbent thing inside the deep state, because if they really wanted to launch wars and create Russia hysteria and do the Cold War II thing, you can't do that with Flynn in there. Flynn was a very steel-eyed um, intelligence operative, and you know he was a defense intelligence operative, so he understood not only espionage, but he understood military operations and, you know, where there's going to be real problems. When they took him out, Trump was weakened, I think, briefly. And, you know, they had problems with Bannon and inside there, were, there was turbulence in the White House. And I don't think he was able to accomplish things as easily. Um, but I think that the whole, you know, basically... All they took Flynn out for was for talking to an ambassador, a Russian ambassador, saying, yeah, we are going to have a different policy come January 20th. Well, that's no real surprise. And, you know, you would expect it. And they say, oh, well, you know, he was meeting up with governments. I mean, you know, we've, we've had way more reckless behavior on the other side with that. I mean, the Clintons, it, it's just off the charts how much compromise there was with other countries and doing things for favors. So I think when they were taking uh, Trump's people and picking them off one at a time, including Kellyanne Conway, who was just doing an outstanding job as a PR person, this is the way they work. They target what they think are like your best points and take them out of the way and see what you have left, you know. Um, so now they, they're realizing, well, Trump was playing a game with us. He isn't going to bomb Syria and go after Russia. He's shaking hands with the Russian ambassador because he wants friendly relations, which makes sense. Uh, you know, this isn't 1959, and it's not Eisenhower going into Kennedy dealing with Khrushchev or something. I mean, it's an interesting thing. David Stockman makes this point that 
the entire industry in Russia, their entire industrial economy, is what we have in New York City. So, you know, they spend on their defense budget. Uh, we spend on our defense budget in three weeks what they spend in a year. How much of a threat is Russia? Uh, they're not a threat. And, you know, at this point, uh, I think we have threats on the world stage, but it's not Russia. You know, Russia predominantly, I think the biggest problem that we're having is, one, they're banning GMOs. So, again, it's that corporate state, the corporate global faction that really doesn't like that because then you lose all those people. You lose all that GMO power. And then now they're talking about going to their own SWIFT uh, transaction clearing system. So what are you going to do with that? You, you know, they're a major power. If they're out of your digital currency, you're never going to be able to make that. So I, I think that a lot of these problems that they're having, they're saying Trump is not going to play along with us. We have to find a way to get him out. And I think they're back to that narrative. And they have the overplayed, he's a Putin puppet, which is absurd, you know, for the reasons I just outlined. I mean, it's it's not a winning strategy. So I think like uh, just before he got in, the deep state's getting desperate on Trump. They leaked stories about him being in Russia and having wild parties and stuff. That came to nothing. So when they come out like this as the CIA on TV and you see like ex-CIA director says Trump may be compromised, um, then you know they're in trouble because those players, intelligence players, like to play completely under the radar. And they, you do not want to see them uh, out there in front of TV cameras accusing people. That's not their role. When they get to that, they're under immense uh, pressure. And the pressure in this case is to somehow trump up charges to get Trump impeached. Yeah, and if we can we can get into this just a little bit, uh, there's two things. There's a Russian investigation, and then there's the leaks that I want to hit on um, before the interview's over. And you just stated, you know, Comey came out, so there was no ties between the Trump campaign and Russia. We've seen many other uh, talking heads and pundits come out, um, people in the know, and say the same thing. There's no smoking gun. You know, they've been at this for a long time, and if they had something, I do believe they would have released it. Do you do you see this uh, narrative being able to continue in the news? And uh, how long will this last in the, in the spheres of influence in Washington? This Russia narrative. Well, I think it's already outlived its usefulness, but I think because the media is so in the pocket of the deep state, this particular faction of the deep state, the militaristic faction, I mean, all we have to do is look at the one serious strike and how they were in love with Trump for doing that one strike um, to see how it's so tied together. There were liberal networks that were praising him left and right for about a week. <laughs> I mean, you don't see that too often. Um so what does that tell us, really? It tells us that the media is completely under the power of the deep state. And what they want, really, is they want Trump to either be their puppet or they want uh, him to be out of there. And I don't think at this point uh, the Russia story is going to stick, but I think they're going to keep it up because they have nothing to lose. Because even if they're losing revenues on that, if people turn away from the stories... I always tell the story about, you might watch Meet the Press sometimes, and every once in a while, Boeing, this Boeing commercial comes up, and it's about a tank that they have, a new tank. And you, I just stop, and I always say, why are they showing tanks from Boeing on consumer television? You know, I'm not going to go out and buy a, 
M16 or a tank, you know. So that's a payoff there. They're paying Meet the Press to keep up some kind of a story. And this is the type of power, you know, this is what we have to do. Uh, we were warned in 1961 by Eisenhower about the military-industrial complex. Those are military contractors. And uh, his warning, you know, 50, 60 years later, now we're looking at it. It's come to fruition. They have too much power. And uh, they exercise the power through the media very often. Well, let me ask you this then, Daniel. All the uh, hype that we've seen in the news recently about North Korea and, you know, between Kim Jong-un and, and Trump and, uh, you know, this nuclear testing and, and this just, it seems that the media hypes this stuff up and, and gets the ball rolling on this. How much of that, uh, you know, and this has been going on for years and years and forever, how much of that do you believe is is to uh, bolster things like defense spending or gain favor, you know, um, in order if they do, if something does happen, to be justified in their in their strikes? Um, versus, how much of this is real versus done for uh, purposes outside of, of what we're seeing? Well, that's a great question. North Korea is such a classic case. Let's think about a guy like McCain, okay? McCain is always talking about Iran can never get a nuclear weapon, all right? And I agree. I don't think it would be a good idea for Iran to have a nuclear weapon, but he's so completely like, you know, his eyes are bulging out of his head and we must stop it, you know, and it's like we have to be you know, bombing Iran to make sure they don't get it. You know, he did bomb Iran uh, during his campaign speech in 2008. But then they have North Korea, who they let get the bomb. Uh, they're not even very sophisticated about it. You know, their, their bombs go off in sideways directions and explode all over the place. McCain never talks about North Korea. He never says anything about it. So obviously their financial interests aren't tied up over there. They're tied up over here in the Middle East, and everything has to do with having an excuse to go into the Middle East. But as we've seen over and over again, that strategy hasn't been very good for America. Now, the North Korean situation, um, you know, Kim Jong-un, he, he was raised in Switzerland, okay? So this is not some madman who was raised inside of this tight, you know, uh, fascist place in North Korea. I'm sure North Korea is run like a fascist state, by the way. But he was raised in Switzerland, hung out in Europe. I mean, he's not... Uh, he understands, I think, a lot of the world. I think the setup of North Korea and uh, is basically this. We threaten stuff. We have nuclear energy. We have nuclear bombs and missiles that don't work. We go out on the world stage and saber-rattle, and then we get stuff. I think that's basically their M.O., and it's been going on. I found an article from 1994 where Clinton had to threaten them with complete nuclear annihilation. That's 23 years ago, saying don't threaten South Korea with nuclear action because he knew they had the bomb. So that's how long we've been dealing with this little football game back and forth. Um, I do think it's dangerous because we're talking about atomic weapons. But I do think also that North Korea knows how to play this game. And let's face it, if there's any kind of nuclear exchange down there, it would be disastrous for China. When you get right down to it, are they going to let it happen? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. They have a tremendous GDP. It beats ours at 7, right? And we have 0 0.7. So I don't think they want to lose all that because Kim Jong-un has a hot temper. Yeah, you're right, and I believe that, uh, you know, there's a lot more behind the scenes going on between North Korea and China than that gets reported or that we'll really ever know. Um, for the sake of time, moving on, 
the leaks. I want to talk to you about the leaks. I don't know if you've seen or heard. There's some speculation that Trump um, potentially laid some kind of trap to try to catch a White House leaker with some Comey stories and holding back that he was going to fire Comey from certain people inside the White House. I think Brent's previous was one of them. And I think we're going to see the another leaker being exposed. But we have leaks in the White House. We have leaks in the FBI, in the DOJ. This is something that under the Obama administration, they would have never allowed this, nor should any administration allow this. How how can they get a hand? I mean, obviously they have to catch the leakers. I guess my question is, um, do they need to make an example out of the leakers that they do catch to deter other people uh, who might come after these guys from leaking information? And how damaging is this to Trump's agenda, the leaks? Well, they have a kind of reverse, almost mind control thing going on around this leak situation because you get people like Snowden and you get people like Assange. And, you know, Assange's leaks, I think we can successfully say, help Trump get into the White House. There's no question about it. He leaked an email <laughs> badge every week through the campaign that was about John Podesta. And we got a lot out of that. Uh, including Pizzagate, which, you know, they completely get that out of the picture. But, um, so this idea that's coming down, this is, we hear things about the deep state. They like to reverse this idea because on one hand, people who leak information from inside the government, if they have leakers, they don't want them prosecuted. But they do want to prosecute people like Assange. They do want to prosecute people like Snowden. So they, they use this language about we should be tougher on people like that. And you know, we've been hearing about them preparing charges against Assange. But if you think about it, what Assange has done has exposed and brought transparency to how many different issues? I mean, his impact in the campaign through the complete corrupt DNC into turmoil, you know, it showed that the media was colluding with the press. That's the kind of information that we need. So I'd classify him as a whistleblower, just uh, yeah. as opposed to a leaker, yeah. you know, with malicious intent. Um, so yeah, yeah. But the, you, you will see leakers coming to him. But there are different types of leaks, like the leaks. This is where I think they get into double speak in the deep state. Leaks basically inside the White House, you know. And I talked to Professor Scott about this because I was curious. He's 88 years old. He's been watching the political scene since the 50s. How does this leak business play out through all these different administrations? And one of the things that I found interesting was that he said he never, ever saw CIA leaks against the president, ever, in, in any of the administrations. Um, so this level of CIA leaks against Trump shows us the deep state's very unhappy that he's in there. Relatively, Trump is an independent uh, now, Trump can be coerced, I think, you know, put pressure on. So we don't know how this is all going to work out. But I think, by and large, he's not a natural insider by a long shot. And I think his campaign appealed more uh, to ordinary people. And I think he was more concerned, and he brought up the issues about labor being exported overseas and corporations basically taking over and running working uh, people out of their communities. So these types of themes are anathema to these globalist forces, and the deep state is aligned with that predominantly, most of the deep state, about 80% of it. So that kind of coalescing, I think, around 
you know, we need to get this guy out. You have to think of all the different powers that the deep state has. It's press. Uh, it's certainly Wall Street. It's certainly military intelligence. They have a lot of power and pressure to bring to bear. But the fact is, when you get right down to it, if they lose at the ballot box, they're in trouble. It's like with Kennedy. You know, they really expected Nixon to win. He looked the best in the polls. But Kennedy had a lot of money, and Trump has a lot of money, and that makes a big difference. And they weren't aware of the long arm of that influence. And then Kennedy gets in, and they try all these different things on him. You know, like they try the Bay of Pigs on him. Uh, just like with Trump, they tried Syria on him. And so, you know, after a while, they try to manipulate and maneuver him into position to be a hawk. Uh, but he's a real outsider, uh, Trump, in this case, like JFK was. You know, I wouldn't say they have the exact same ideology, but in terms of their archetype, uh, they're certainly independent. And I think uh, that's the kind of thing that the deep state doesn't want to put up with for very long. So we'll see. You know, we're only a few months into the Trump presidency. It's already been a lot of trouble. Daniel, we have a few minutes left in the interview, and you've uh, done a fantastic job of of uh, articulating your points and, and getting into this uh, information. What are some of the things that we haven't touched on or, or anything that we haven't hey, you, touched on? You're going to make a mind? connection here. I can't wait to hear this. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we're doing a series on the Secret Space Program now at Dark Journalist, and um, this is very interesting. In a nutshell, the Secret Space Program is where a lot of the U.S. budget the missing trillions are disappearing to. And a number of researchers have tracked the missing money uh, going out of the Pentagon into seemingly nowhere. Pentagon right now has $6.5 trillion missing. That is, they can't find it. Uh, and that's about a third of U.S. debt, period. So it's a lot of money. It's a really big issue. Um, so the secret space program uh, is basically a lot of research around this idea that most of that money is going into an infrastructure being built in space, and that includes uh, creating industry in space and space ports, space tourism, uh, asteroid mining, and things like that. But as we get deeper and deeper into it, um, I'm finding, you know, we talked to a lot of insiders about it, but uh, a lot of the insiders are saying there's collusion, there's frustration, there's disinformation around the space, so the people who are involved in that effort around the secret space program don't like that it's a public, in the public domain um, being discussed. And so we're getting a lot of weird stories about it, like people coming out and saying, well, I'm part of the secret space program and, uh, you know, really being zany and it's supposed to discredit the whole idea when in fact, uh, trillions of dollars are disappearing there. So that's a key area. You know, if we had deep state spring here for dark journalists, it's going to be secret space summer. Wow. <laughs> no. $6.5 trillion missing. I, I have to go back to that just for a second. Um, yeah. where, where, where might that be? Where, where might I find documentation of that, that dollar amount? Uh, in the work of Catherine Austin Fitz, she's strung it together, but you can actually go uh, and search articles in the Wall Street Journal and Financial Times that will tell you about the missing money at the Pentagon. You know, everyone around this issue of missing money always goes back to Rumsfeld right. on September 10th, and he said there's $2.3 and everyone thought that was a big deal. Well, $6.5 that's getting you up to close to $7 trillion. We have $19 trillion in debt, so, uh, you know, if you think about $7 trillion missing, you can run the government for a long time with that kind of money. 
So where did it go? Um, they can't reconcile that money. They can't reconcile those accounts. And that's where it stands right now. There's no investigation of it. There's reporting around it, but there's no uh, official investigation in Congress. Interesting. Uh, folks, dark journalist, we love his work. I personally, uh, I, I love your uh uh, your interviews, the depth and, and the scope of your interviews on, uh, darkjournalist.com, especially, you know, the, uh, uh, the Kathy O'Brien interview. I, I, I thought that was very interesting. Wow. What yeah. an amazing woman. Yeah. 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 Incredible. And, and the, you, you know, folks, look, go to dark, darkjournalist.com because some of the, um, you drew out some things that were not in her book, and some things I, 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 I your style was really, really great with her. And, and the, uh, uh, what was it the Monarch Project, Project Monarch, um, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, very interesting, and very, very good. And all your interviews are great, but uh, it's fantastic. Um, got about, uh, got about a minute left. Oh, 30 seconds left. I guess we're out of here. Thank <laughs> you. I, I do hope you'll, you'll come back and, uh, visit yeah, with us absolutely. Anytime. Oh, it's great to be with you guys. Like I said, I tune in all the time and, uh, keep doing such great reporting. It's great to see you. Thank you so much. And, and we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll certainly be promoting your, your channel, your website. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for your bravery, your tenacity, and your truth. Have a great night, you guys. Good night. Sir. You too. Thank you. When but we come back. Guy. Yeah, that was a, an awesome and very informative hour. And uh, we're going to have another one here with Pastor Langford when we come back from the Voice of Evangelism. Don't go anywhere. Pastor David Langford will be our guest after these short messages. Stay tuned. Yeah, I watched the, uh, I watched the O'Brien I mean, that's a fantastic interview. Well, Kathy, you oh. know... All clear. Sorry about that. I guess I didn't realize I was hot there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Kathy, uh, having actually, you know, gone before Congress and said that, and I said, how did, why did you even go before Congress to give your whistleblower tenemy a testimony? And she said, I had to uh, for security purposes. So she needed uh, it to be on record or she wouldn't be protected. <laughs> Man. Well, you do, you do fantastic work, and I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I really do. I, I, I love your website. I love your, your work, and, uh, we'll be, uh, promoting everything you do. Appreciate yeah, that's it. Great. Right, no, I really appreciate it. It's great to be on. All right. Talk soon. Thanks, man. Have a good night over there. Good night. Take it easy. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to danielholdings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. It is the tenth day of May, two thousand seventeen, and we've we know we've had a lot of news this week. Have you seen the news? I mean, the the letter the the um, this is the letter from uh, of course from Donald Trump to Comey, and the supporting documentation from the Attorney General from the Assistant Attorney General. You know why? Why do I bring this up now? It's because we I, I believe we are witnessing this this. Um, the travails and the transitions and such, and I think that that this this has got a lot of meaning. Um, and, and you heard the dark journalist right right before uh, or the, during the last hour talking about this and, and the significance of this. This all this all ties together, and I believe it pretends some some very interesting and if not some very serious times. So how do we offset these times? Well, to offset the times, we bring in our my personal pastor. And I like to call him the official pastor of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I'm not sure if he's if he's accepted that role or not, but uh, uh, it's a man I, I listen to, I look up to, I respect because of his knowledge of of the Scripture. And that's Pastor, pastor David Langford, the Voice of Evangelism dot com. And I'm just so glad. I am so glad that he's on tonight, as he is every Wednesday night. I'm so glad he's on tonight because more than ever, I believe we need that spiritual B12 shot. Pastor David Langford, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight, Doug and Joe? It's a great joy to be with you, gentlemen. The, the, a little rough around the edges tonight, Pastor, but uh, everyone's kind of tired out and beat up and jet lag and <laughs> just lagging. No, we're doing good, Pastor. <laughs> well, uh, between lagging and dragging, we're going to make it, praise God. God Amen, is faithful. You mentioned Comey and what is taking place in the world. Uh, you know, God has a way of uh, bringing to light that that is hid in darkness. And I don't think the people of America really 
fundamentally understood how evil, vile, and corrupt we were and still are. Uh, I said all along, if they had something more on Trump, they would bring it out. Uh, but the good news is they don't have anything, but no doubt they are, without a doubt, digging, searching, seeking, trying to tie something together. But there are two scriptures that's been on my heart this week, and both of them are found in the book of Judges. The first one is Judges 2.10. And also, all that generation were gathered under their fathers. In other words, they died. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And then the closing verses in the uh, 21st chapter of Judges, verse 25, and that would be the theme, that would be the motif for the book of Judges, which says, in those days... There was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so, for quite some time, um, I would say for the last 60, 70 years, without a doubt, we have raised a generation, first of all, that does not recognize God. We started murdering children in the early 70s, prayer was taken out of school in the 60s and then it just became more and more and more corrupt as this nation began to renounce God and his deity, his majesty, his lordship and we've been governed by humanism rather than spiritual authority and now we've come to a place where everyone does that which is right in their own eyes. In other words, we've come to a place where there is total and utter unaccountability, no matter who you are. I, I look at the scenario right before the election, you know, Hillary's out, you know, saying I'd be the president if it weren't for James Comey. But here as FBI director, he took it on himself to be the judge, the jury, the prosecutor, uh, the executioner, you know, he just took all of this on himself, which shows you the lawlessness that is taken over. In other words, there's really no three branches of government anymore. Everyone just does that, which is right in their own eyes. And it doesn't matter what it is. And, you know, our nation has allowed a non-citizen Muslim to become president. There's been so many things that this nation has allowed, and the citizenry have been the ones to allow it because they have had an unwillingness to take a stand against anything. You know, the psalmist David said in Psalms 94, 16, who will rise up for me against the evildoers, or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? God asked the question, who has the heart? Who has the intestinal fortitude to rise up against the evildoers, or... Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? And is Senator Hams, my dear friend, who told me it's nothing but a place and a state of being blackmailed and blackballed between both houses, Congress and Senate. And everyone's got crud on each other. And so it's, it's, it's one melee, you know, battle after another. And the Americans sit by 
and and failing to pray and failing to cry out to God. You see, God can do something about this. There's no doubt in my mind the sovereignty of God. Uh, it's amazing how we look at our situations and we look at it with fear, with trepidation, with anxiety, but yet we fail to pray and to cry out to God who can do anything. He can part the Red Sea. He can rain manna from heaven. Uh, he can turn back the sundial in, in the days of Hezekiah. You know, he said it's not a hard thing for the sundial to uh, to go forward. Those of you who've watched the real sundial, it looks like a second hand on a watch, but it's a shadow. I saw it at uh, Theodore Franklin Roosevelt's, or Teddy Roosevelt, excuse me, Teddy Roosevelt's house when I was in New York once in Long Island. And uh, and he had a sundial, and as I stood there, you could see the shadow as the sun was actually, uh, the earth was moving, and, and you could see it. So Hezekiah asked God to move it backwards. It's easy for it to go down because you know, the, the sun sets, per se. My point is, if we would start praying and talking to God about these things, there's no telling what God would do. There's no telling what God would reveal, you know, and... Because we haven't prayed, because we haven't cried out to God, I think there were more people this past year cried out to God for fear of Hillary Clinton becoming the president, and God moved. But now I'm afraid a lot of people have, you know, kind of slid back, become indifferent, tepid, and said, well, we dodged the bullets, so we'll go back to our old ways. But if we would maintain our consistency in pleading with God, don't let the wicked rule over us. I've quoted it so many times, Proverbs 29.2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And I'm looking for this sack of pus just to keep on seeping. The whole thing's going to become septic. I, I don't think anyone knows how bad it is. But my point is, God is still on his throne. He said, is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 32, 27, behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I mean, there's nothing that God cannot do. And I think as the, as the church, we're whimsical and we're failing God because we're not crying out to God. You know, people will spend untold hours on their little cell phone thing and spend no time in prayer, no time on their knees, crying out to God, pleading to, with God, move, God, move. You know, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said, If you'll call, he said, I'll answer. Psalms 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are opened unto their cries. You know, the psalmist, that's what, that's what makes the book of Psalms so great. It was the perpetual crying out of these men to God to deliver them, help them, spare them, save them, keep them from the snare, keep them from the fowler, keep them from the traps, because Satan is consistently putting things out there to snare every one of us. But they consistently sought God, and of course they praised God and magnified God for the goodness and I'm very grateful, I'm very thankful for this respite that God has given us um, right now. But as, as Christians, you know, I've said from day one, we need to pray for Donald Trump. 
pray God cover him in his blood and give his angels charge concerning him to watch over him and to keep him because we all hear this this rhetorical jargon, but it's not as truth. There is a deep state. There is a, uh, there's an underlying government that exists, and there's no faces and there's no names. But they are corrupting this nation to no end. I thought about today, CNN, your two most greatest anchors, Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon, filed open sodomites and they have the news audience that they have and that's where they're getting it from now think about that you know i don't want my news coming from somebody who doesn't understand their sexuality i don't want them making one comment i don't want them saying anything i, I wouldn't i would give those guys a quarter of a second about anything they had to say why they're perverted. Their mind is perverted. Their lifestyle is perverted. Their thinking is perverted. They're, it's all distorted. And you think I want to listen to what somebody like that has to say? And yet, all the liberals tune in, and that's where they get their information. And uh, it's been called the Communist News Network, the Clinton News Network. It's a very sinful network. You know, but look at there's old, uh, um, Bill O'Reilly. You know, David said, how the mighty are fallen. You know, you can be on top of the world today and in the gutter tomorrow. So our focus must remain on Christ because I don't want to be subject to the wickedness. And if we will pray and direct our prayer, I read a statement by E.M. Bounds. He wrote a lot of books on prayer. He said, wherever prayer is focused is where the power of God will fall. Wherever you aim your sight, the target that you're trying to hit, that's, that's, that's what you're going to hit if you're on target. And I call it target prayer. Be specific. Target your prayer at a circumstance, at a situation. You know, I pled uh, the, the day before the day of the election. I was on my knees here in my office pleading with God, do not let this Jezebel win this election. Don't let her win, Lord. I focused my prayers at her, petitioning God, don't let this happen to us. And I believe a lot of people, I'm not the only one, there were millions crying out to God. And I believe it made a divine difference. But I believe now is the time to say, hey, we got to really focus in because there's more things that are going to happen. And this was the problem with Donald Trump. You know, even Newt Gingrich said, the man has never been initiated in anything. And so they really don't know how to handle him, so they're going to try to find some way uh, uh, to try to get control of him, his life, and don't think they're trying to find a, you know, uh, a deal, something in, in, in a state-related situation, uh, a foreign state or something to create a, a situation where they can impeach him. I mean, the liberals are getting more crazier by the day. Their, their comments are more cynical by the day. Uh, you know, they were all uh, against Comey when he did what he did, and now they're all for him now that he's been fired. I mean, it's like the old saying, wet your finger, stick it up in the wind, so see which way the wind is blowing. That's the way the world operates. But the child of God doesn't operate like that. 
our compass, our direction is from the Word of God, and we get leadership from prayer in our life. So I think we really need to to stay focused uh, right now and keep our, our prayers very pointed and, and, and not just generalized, but be specific about keeping us, watching over us. We, we see the volatility in the world. Anything Pastor. can happen. We could get up in the morning and anything can go wrong. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I just want to jump in um, because I think this is an important point, and I, and I kind of want to touch on this a little bit. Um, the, there's a, the saying, you know, the, the, the left that we see today, if it wasn't for their double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. Right. And I think that, that sums it up nicely. And we were talking at the beginning of the show about the hypocrisy from these people, you know, Maxine Waters was the example we used where she said if Hillary Clinton were president, she yes, she would be for her firing Comey, but, you know, that now that Donald Trump has done it, it's basically an impeachable offense. Um, and I asked our last guest this, do you believe that these people who are being so hypocritical and, you know, taking out or, or calling out Donald Trump at every turn for impeachment, do you believe that they really believe this and want this, or do you believe that they're they're playing into a political narrative for to score points? No, but they want this. <clears throat> Listen, wickedness. People that are wicked want more wickedness and want more control. What people need to understand: Why do people get involved in Satanism, witchcraft, and all of these seances? What what are they coveting? What are they desirous? They are desirous of a supernatural power that they can somehow get and get it without having to live a godly life. Because there are two there were two sets of powers. There's the power, the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians two and two, and then there's the power of God, his word and the Holy Ghost. Well, for us to have the power to move mountains, to pull down leaders, to, to raise up leaders we have to seek God through His Word and the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, these people seek that same type of power, but it's satanic power, you know? And so they give themselves over to these seducing spirits. These, I, I, these people are demon-possessed. Maxine Waters is demon-possessed. Chuck Schumer is demon-possessed. Hillary Clinton is demon-possessed. Obama is demon-possessed. His, his boyfriend is demon-possessed, or his wife, his wife, his whatever, whatever he is. These people are demonically possessed, and they, they, that's why they covet this power. Well, you ha- either have the power of the devil, and it works just like the power of Christ, except it works in an evil way. And then you have the power of God, which is righteousness, pure, undefiled, without blemish, without corruption. But all these other people want this power, but the only way you get this power is by and through more corruption. Kind of like the mafia. The higher you you get up in the level of murdering, controlling drugs, territories, etc., etc., you become the crime boss and over territory. And let's face it, we know there are demonic powers and principalities and powers of the area, Ephesians 6, that control certain areas in the world, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., other parts of the world. They are 
demonic entity, just like the, the demon or the prince of Persia was fighting Daniel. You see, there was warfare going on uh, between the prince of Persia and Gabriel, the archangel. So you have evil power, you have godly power, and the two powers are fighting. One is for good, for mankind, for the redemption of the lost, for godliness to prevail, for righteousness to prevail. The other is for wickedness to prevail, to bring down kingdoms, to, to, to take lives. At the end of the day, all the devil is trying to do is kill, steal, and destroy, damn every soul that he can. That, 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 that's his goal. And, and so, you know, you've heard the, the old the cliche, he made a deal, a deal with the devil. He sold his soul. Well, Satan tried to get Jesus to do the very same thing, to sell him his soul, because he made him an offer. Uh, I was speaking to a gentleman yesterday about Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4 are very synonymous about Christ and his temptation in the wilderness. Uh, Matthew 4 one says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Luke 4, 1 says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But then the devil, the Bible said in verse 6, said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. In other words, he was trying to buy him off. And so I said to the gentleman, I said, how could Christ see all of that? It had to be in a spiritual presentation. It wasn't just a physical presentation, because he showed him all the glory, see, of the world. And Well, let's back up to verse 5, Luke 4, 5. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, in a moment of time, he showed him all of this. So I believe it was a, it was a, it was a spiritual manifestation of of the of the of the, of the, of the unseen world that we know exists out there that we don't see. The, the the world that we don't see is far greater than the world that we do see. When Elijah was in trouble, he saw the Syrian army encompassing him, and his servant said, well, "You know, we're, we're totally outnumbered. We, we don't ha- we don't have a chance." And God said, "Open my servant's eyes and let him see." And he saw the 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 the, 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 the Lord of Hosts and his army arrayed. And then he says to Elijah, "He said, They that be for us are more than they that be against us.'" So God showed him a spiritual army of angels, no doubt myriads of angels, and they were there to do battle in behalf of the man of God. My point is, there's more out there than what we see, that the, that world is far greater. You know, we, we have no idea of the thousands of thousands of thousands of angels that God had created and then a third of them fell and cast their lot with Lucifer. So we, we don't know the number, but it's, 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 it's enormous. And it's out there, it's, it's a reality, 
And these people want this, but they want it for the wrong reasons. And so they yield themselves over to this wickedness. You know, you and I make a choice when we're tempted to do something we know we should do. Either we're going to yield to the temptation or say, no, I resist the devil. James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, or 7 and 8. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh unto you. We have the right or the will or the privilege to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. And if we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. So when the Christian draws nigh to God, Satan has to leave because he's not going to stay in the presence of God because he knows God has lordship over him. Because, you know, Hebrews 2.14, that through death, he destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. The devil knows he has power over him no matter what. So the two cannot reside, per se, in the same room. Either the devil's going to leave or God's going to leave. So we draw nigh to God so that he'll draw nigh to us, and thus the devil leaves us. Well, these people draw nigh to the devil because they covet, they want this power. I, you know, as I've grown older, I've realized why these people want this. People are trying to obtain eternal life without God. At the end of the day, this is what the world wants. Eternal life, cryonics, you know, freezing people's heads, brains, organs, whatever. They want to come to a place where they can live eternally without God. God will never let that come to fruition. I don't know how far he will let it go. But if they were, they're headed in that direction. They're wanting eternal life without God. That's why God cut Adam and Eve off from the tree of life. Because had they gotten a hold of the tree of life, they would have eaten the tree of life and lived eternally in a fallen state. Which, and I look at it as a, as a Christian, what a terrible state to have been per, perpetually in. A state of sin, death, ruin, rot, decay, but living like that for eternity. Uh, that's what's going to be the punishment of the unbeliever. So death, in a sense, was a blessing to keep man from obtaining eternal life in a fallen state. And so the Psalms 116, verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You and I are striving for immortality. We're striving for incorruption through Christ. They want it through the devil, but you can't have it through the devil because he's corrupted. Yet they want this power, and as I said, I know that sounds maybe somewhat crass or hard, but death is a blessing in the sense to be freed from this body, to be free from this jar of clay that holds us hostage. Our bodies are getting weaker and tireder and stamina's gone and problems and stress. My my uncle called me yesterday and said, David, I hate to tell you, but my cancer is metastasized. It's just a matter of weeks. You have to preach my funeral. You know, and I'm, it just it just broke my heart. It crushed my heart because here again, you know, I've got to step in here and step up to the bat and take care of this, which I, I don't begrudge it by no means. Don't get me wrong. But it's the part of death. You know, you got to deal with it. But I want to go down next weekend after Mother's Day and have one more conversation and make sure he's right with God. I want to hear it out of his mouth. You're right. You're ready to go. You're ready to die. I want to hear his confession and profession of faith publicly to me so that when I eulogize him, I can say he said he was ready to go. 
because, as I said, when you die, you do not cease to exist. You go into eternity with or without God. It is a step. It is a step that every person will take. The question is, will you take it with God, or will you take that step without God? If you take it without God, you go out into eternity lost. If you take that step with God, you go into eternity with him. Philippians 1, 20, 21, Paul said, So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. See, now the sinner has the anxiety, the fear of death, because they're going to die lost. The Christian that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is of the law. I believe when a sinner dies, it's like a it's like a goad, a hornet's stinger. It pierces the soul because they are not Christians, and it, it's 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 a goad. It it, it hurts terribly. And then Paul described it, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? In other words, the believer, the, the sting of death does not affect them like it does the sinner. The grave has no power over them. They will be raised incorruptible. The sinner, he'll be raised still corruptible and then resentenced back to the second death. So, you know, there's a lot going on here, and, it, and, and all the things behind this is evil. And... Our objective should be to walk with Christ, fellowship with Christ, bathe our minds in his word, to keep our minds uh, sound. You know, Second Timothy 1, 7, Paul said, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, and, and see, that's another thing. The devil creates all of this havoc in the world and brings all this anxiety. The Greek word is phobos, fear, all, all sorts of fear in the world today, all types of fear. Uh, you know, they tell us that are straight, we're, we're homophobics. We, we, we have a fear of a homosexual. I'm not afraid of them at, at all. They're repulsive in my eyes uh, if they are arrogant and have no willingness or uh, see the need for repentance. But I'm not afraid of them. But yet the world wants to say, I have, I have a, a phobos, I have a, a, an anxiety, I have a fear in my mind, and that's to paralyze me over something that I have nothing to do with. I, I'm not a partaker of their sins, First Timothy 5.22. Paul said, neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. I had a gentleman call me today. He went out with a group of church members, I think it was Monday night, and they went to a restaurant, and every one of them ordered a mixed drink but him. And they said, hey, you're not going to get something to drink with us? He said, I did. Water. But they mocked him. They ridiculed him, and they persecuted him because he would not order a mixed drink with them. And I told him, I said, your conviction condemned them, convicted them, so they began to mock him and make fun of him. In other words, are you trying to put us on a guilt trip? Are you trying to make us feel bad because you're not drinking with us? So my question is, how many drinks is too many? One, two, three, four, five. If they do that publicly, what are they doing privately? 
You know, so it, we, it, we're we're getting more compromised, and and I and I, I'm about I'm about sick of the phraseology culture. I, I'm I'm just about had all I want to hear of the term culture, because you know culture at the end of the day is only about the present time. It it's, it's, it coincides with contemporaryism, you know, and 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 the gospel doesn't change. The gospel doesn't change. Culture changes. You know, the, 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 the hundred years ago, everybody uh, you know, rode a horse and a buggy, or you know, a horse and a carriage. And today, we drive cars and trucks and planes and buses and airplanes and all of that stuff. But you keep hearing people refer to culture. What they're saying in a very subtle way is, we're having to change because the culture is changing. Well, the culture, if you look at it in its truest form, is not changing for the better, it's changing for the worse. I had a young man email me last week. He had been sexually molested by both his dad and his mother. Now think about that. You know, one's bad enough, but... That's terrible. I, I mean, can you imagine that? No, and, and, um... and, 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 and now he's supposed to uh, navigate through life um, in some element of normalcy when not only one parent, but the other parent does it to him. Uh, the, 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 the definition of culture is this. The quality in a person or society that arises from an interest in and acquaintance with what is generally regarded as excellence in arts, letters, manners, scholarly pursuits, etc. Okay? Look at how everything is gravitating toward evil. But the gospel does not change. But you keep hearing the phraseology, but the culture is changing. The, the culture is changing, so we're having to change. Malachi 3.6 says, I'm the Lord and I change not. You see... And, and, and that's old school preaching. You know, God's not going to change. God's not going to compromise. Isaiah told us in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light, light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. This is where we are. And again, the rhetorical statement is, but you've got to understand, Pastor, our culture is changing. And that's, that's the devil's loophole in saying it's justifiable to do this. I, um, you know, we had communion a couple weeks back, and I got an email from a lady who hadn't had communion in eight years and was so happy to be able to have communion. And the reason she said she hadn't had communion in eight years, because the last time she went to the church that she was attending, Two women, she didn't say whether they were lesbians or not, but they had tank tops, shorts, and flip-flops on, and they served communion in the church. And she said, I was so repulsed. I walked, I got up and walked out, and I haven't been back. And I they was so happy it? to have communion. They actually served, they served I, it? Yeah. They, they, these two women did this. Tank tops, shorts, and flip flops, and surf community. I mean, what a disgrace! But again, you will hear the phraseology. 
Well, that's the culture today. You know, I, you know, I, I, I I'm going to make some people mad. That's okay. You know, the Bible says that if a man have, has long hair, it's a shame. And I'll get, I'll get feedback on that negative because I do every time I, I share it from First uh, Corinthians 11. Uh, but isn't it amazing when you have two lesbians, one will shave her head to play the male model, and the other one has long hair. And then sometimes in the in the homosexual sphere, you'll have the one that plays the feminine role will have the longer hair, the more feminine look. And I'm like, you're trying to play a role that God has already provided in the natural. Why, why do you do this? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? And you're, you expect me to accept this and embrace this and say this is all right? I mean, we both know, uh, and all the listeners do, when you see uh, 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 two lesbians come in and, and one's the butch, one's the dyke. Well, what is she doing? She's trying to play the role of a man. Well, see, that's not normal. See? And so now we have phraseology such as transgenderism. You know, when I woke up this morning, I didn't have to ask my wife, what am I today? Am I a man or am I a woman? You know, I know when I got up, I was a man. But see, again, you will hear the phraseology, culture, culture. And now kids are, are, are getting so terribly taught. Uh, I mean, they're not they're not getting taught anything wholesome. You know, when a, when a, when a, I think this, this young guy was 22 or 27, said he had been molested by both his mother and father. I'm like, I, I just I can't imagine that. I, I I can't imagine how you would deal with that. I thank God for God's grace that I've never had to experience that. We don't even know uh, who's listening tonight that has suffered that or even something worse, you know, uh, because this is sin. And yet, they're telling us, you, you need to accept this, because this is, the, this is the norm, this is the culture, and if you say anything, and you're being judgmental, you're condemning, and that's wrong. Well, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I make judgments every day of my life about things I'm about to do. You know, if I'm not careful to make the right judgment, I'll take a skill saw, you know, and saw my fingers off. If I'm not paying attention, if I'm not, you know, guarding myself, protecting myself, watching over myself, making the right moves. But yet when you say you say to people what you're doing is wrong, you know, and again, you've heard me quote this passage in, in Matthew 12 and 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. And we're told, that's what Jesus told us to do. We make that decision. Make the tree good and the fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. Now that's, that's something that we are, we are told to do as Christians. You have to make that determination. And so when you do... You're condemned, you're lambasted, you're lampooned because, well, you're being judgmental. You don't have the right to judge me. I'm not judging anybody to heaven or hell. I'm judging whether it is right or wrong. I heard a gospel song the other day, and uh, it said, if you're going to stand for what is right, then you have to stand against what is wrong. 
And that's where the dichotomy comes in, because when you stand up and you say, I'm going to stand up for right no matter what, and then this situation arises, like same-sex marriage, you say, well, I'm, I'm not going there. Well, see, you lied. You said, I'm going to stand for what is right. Then that means you have to stand against what is wrong. But now to do that, you become unpopular. And we've become a, 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 a populist mindset of people. We want to be liked. That's why preachers preach like they preach. They don't want to offend nobody. They don't want to preach against drunkenness, fornicating, adultery, sodomy. You know, I mean, you imagine, what does two homosexual pastors or two lesbian pastors, what do they preach against when it comes to sin? What are they going to say? You better quit that fornicating. You, you better quit snorting that cocaine. You, you, you better quit, you know, watching that pornography. They can't say anything because look at their lifestyle. See? And so that's why there's such mockery in Christianity. Because you ask Maxine Waters. I guarantee you ask that woman, are you a Christian? She'll say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. And, hey, the fruit is just not there. Ask Hillary Clinton. She talked about her dead, how she got on her knees and prayed, claimed to be a devout a Methodist, all, all this Methodist. stuff. And when did you wipe your server? You mean with a cloth? I mean, these people will tell you, hey, I, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. You know? Uh, they don't live like I live. You know, and there again, you'll be condemned and castigated and, you know, put down because you're being judgmental. But uh, if you stand for what is right, then you have to stand against what is wrong. And this is where everybody tries to now blur the lines. And uh, you know, I, I, I was hoping, I doubt that it will happen, but I would love for somebody like Trey Gowdy to become the FBI director. You know, I think there are a handful of people up there who really want to do what's right. But the, the place is so corrupt, you know, it's virtually impossible, uh, you know, to, it'll send to get a fair handshake. You just you just know in your heart, and and you know what it's it, it's it's at every level of government, it's city, it's county, it's state, it's national, it's international, um, it's it's the buddy system. You know, um, I could say some things tonight that I know would offend some people, but I'll I'll just uh, kind of bite my lip. Uh, but there are handshakes and things that people do that lets people know. I'm in this organization, I'm in this fraternal order or whatever. Um, there are things out there and, and, and they're, they're intentional. Uh, I shook a man's hand one time. He asked me, he said, are you a so-and-so? And I said, I don't know how I shook your hand. I don't know what I did, but no, I'm not. But obviously the way I shook his hand led him to believe I was part of a, uh, of a, of a, of a organization that you have to be initiated in. And, of course, I don't believe in those organizations. Christ's ministry was public. He hid nothing. Um, and, you know, we know that there is corruption every, everywhere we turn. You know, everybody thought John Roberts was going to be a great Supreme Court justice. But he sided with Obama on Obamacare and knew it was a tax. It was not right. Corruption. You know, it, it's hard. It's hard to find justice in the land anymore. You know, that was that was the whole problem with Jeremiah. You know, he just he just couldn't find anybody that would take to heart 
what God had laid on his heart. You know, he he he, he tried to talk to people, uh, but you know they refused to return. Um, they wouldn't listen. Uh, they continued to commit their abominations. They continued to do their evil things. And he tried, you know, to speak to them, but it was to no avail. Uh, and you know, power corrupts. And uh, this is this is what we're witnessing. So my, my, I reckon tonight, what I want to encourage the people to do is, is, is focus on your prayer life. Uh, let me let me say this. Sometimes when I pray, my circumstances don't change. My situation doesn't necessarily change. My problem doesn't change. But I change because I took the time to get on my knees and talk to God about it. And that's who needs to change more than anything is me. I need to keep me in line. I need to keep me straight. Like I said, sometimes, as I said, my situation may not change whatsoever. Some of you listening tonight, your your situation has not changed. But if you will continue to pray, you will have the ability to change and to deal with the, the circumstance or the situation or the adversity, whether it's a broken home, a broken marriage, uh, a broken relationship with a son or a daughter. This is why there's such power in prayer. You know, we don't realize the power we have when we approach the throne of God. I, I can't get a meeting with Donald Trump, but I can also always get a meeting with God. I, I can get a presence and a meeting with God anytime I want to get on my knees and cry and say, God, help me. He will help me. You know, he may not answer my prayer the way I want it to be answered, but, you know, many times my way of seeing things is skewed. It's not right to begin with. But I do know if I am sincere and I call upon him in humility, I know he hears me, I know he loves me, I know he cares about me. You know, I'm not I'm not doing this for nothing. I promise you that. I'm I'm not living the life of a Christian. I'm not devout to Christ for nothing. I have a reason for living like I live. I want to win. I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I want to make it to heaven. I want to make it. I do not want to lose. I, you know, Jesus said in Mark eight thirty six thirty seven, What should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? You know, I'd rather die pauper like Lazarus, poor, boat, broke, busted, and the dogs licked his swords. But when he died, he went into Abraham's bosom. But the rich man, when he died, it says he went to hell. I'd rather be poor, poverty-stricken, and dogs licking my sores, my wounds, and make it into heaven than to have all the money in the world and then lose out with God in the end. I mean, when you get down to the, the end of life and having that conversation I had yesterday with my uncle, you you see things from a totally different perspective. There, there, there's something about the power and the reality of mortality. It, it It's indelible. It will make its impression on you. 
it it it, it, it will it will affect you whether you want to be affected or not. It will it has its way of affecting all of us, and it's a reality. One of my dear friends the other day, he's in his eighties. He stumbled and fell, hit his face in a parking lot, you know, and very dignified man, great man, but it just it broke him because. You know, age is getting him. You know, and it it, it upset him. Uh, but but the reality of his days are being numbered less and less each day. It, it struck a chord, and and he was realizing it. But if we all live long enough, you know, we're going down that same road. Right now, my mother, um, I mean, my wife's mother and uh, stepfather are having to have twenty four hour care, and 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 that they don't have anything. And uh, so each sibling is taking turns spending two days and two nights at their house to give them the care. Because if, if they don't, the government's going to take in and take what little bit of house that they have. And so the siblings are, you know, recycling ever so many days, two days, two nights. Come home, they go through the protocol. My wife will start over next week, two days, two nights. Uh, we all have to bear our burdens, you know. I'm, I'm not going to grumble and complain. The day may come I have to have the same kind of aid and assistance myself. So it puts a, a hardship on us to do it to a degree. But am I going to grumble about it? No. I'm going to pray for grace. I'm going to pray for more grace. I'm going to pray for more strength. I'm going to pray for more encouragement. Why? I need it. We all need it. You know? And uh, you, you can't talk to anybody any better than talking to God. You know? If you, some people, some people say, if I just had somebody I could talk to, hey, talk to the Lord. He won't gossip. He won't slander you. He won't pick up the phone and call somebody and say, "Can you believe what Doug Hagman confided in me in prayer today?" Nobody will know one thing about it. God will work at taking care of it, and that's the great thing about continuing to petition God. You know, and 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 I just want to encourage the people. It's it's bad. It's ugly. And and I just maintain that thought we're on pause, and when God hits the button again, we're going to pick right back up, and and it could be any day. Uh, there could be two years, three years, four years, six years. I don't know, but I know one thing: I'm going to keep my focus. I'm going to keep my aim on Christ. Paul said this in Philippians three thirteen and fourteen, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before me, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He says, brethren, I've not apprehended, I've not comprehended, I don't know it all. I've not figured it out. He said, but this one thing I do, not a dozen things, 20 things, Three things. This one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me. Because none of us can go back and change the past. I can't change one thing in my past. He said, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize. The prize is eternal life. And it's not, you know, the little, the little Cracker Jacks. You remember those, Doug? The Cracker Jack box? Mm-hmm. And we get the little uh, yeah. 
trinket, a little toy inside of it, always a little novelty thing in there, in the, in the box of Cracker Jacks. Uh, well, this is a, a prize of eternal life. Uh, and, and we have to strive. You know, that's why Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended, you know, but this one thing I do, he said, I forget those things which are behind. It would do some people listening good tonight to just let the past go. It's done. It's over with. You're not going to change it. And and pastor, if I can jump in here, sure. uh, We got about five minutes left, six minutes left. Just want to, reiterate a couple of points that you made um we were at this weekend we were uh, at the uh, in chicago at the awaken to shaken conference right and um you know we I, I was able to speak and i covered some of what what you were talking about and you know to see how far to the churches have have conformed to what the world is doing and, and what the world finds acceptable is is absolutely crazy and you know the next step what we're going to see here with the churches, and we already are, is what you talked about with you know the, the trans movement, this LGBT movement, and it, it's deeper than that because you know if you look at uh, evolution, evolution in, you know is attack on God's creation, and then you look at um, what they're doing with this trans movement and what they've done you know with homosexual marriage, that's an attack on they're they're attacking all the foundations of God, and one of the examples I used was was Adam and Eve, you know man and woman. They are now, you know, making gender uh, basically a, a social concept that somebody can can change, and it's. I've always looked at it as you know the degradation of of, uh, of people through ideas, but it's also an attack on on the foundations that that God has set up, and you know the I, what you said about prayer. It's very important to to reiterate this is that we are in a spiritual battle, and the only weapons that we have. Our, you know, our, our discernment, our, uh, reading of scripture and, and following God's commandments, but our prayer, our prayer life is so important to that spiritual battle. Without the prayer life, um, you know, what, what do we have? Uh, without, we can read what, what, uh, God instructed us to do and how he instructed us to live and the commandments he, um, commanded us to follow. But if we're not in a communication with him, then, you know, we're, we're not moving in the right direction in our relationship. And the last thing about what you just said about, you know, forgetting the things that are in the past, uh, Russ really, mm-hmm. really hit yeah. on this, and so did Pastor Begley, about the how the enemy will use your uh, your past sins and mistakes and will put those those thoughts of doubt in your head. Well, you're not good enough. You actually aren't forgiven for your Boy, sins. You're, not gonna, yeah. you're really not saved. And things like that. And I think the past and past mistakes play a lot into those uh, in defeating those negative those negative thoughts, you know, it's because we all have them. You know, sure. uh, the old cliche uh, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Satan knows we all have missed the mark. We've missed the bullseye, and so that's why he always he, he's a master at reminding you of your failure. He never lauds you or touts you or pats you on the back. When you've been faithful in your prayer life, and your giving, and your fasting, your Bible reading, no. It's when you miss the mark, and boy, he just piles on you, all of this. And, and that's what discourages people. But see, this is why prayer is important, because prayer is, is kind of like taking the, the water and the soap and, and washing that off and keeping it off. And, and you know, you, we all work hard or 
we go out and cut our grass and weed eat our lawns. We're all sweaty, nasty, dirty. Come and take a shower. How refreshed we feel in our body. Same way in the spirit. Prayer is a spiritual cleansing. You know, that's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he said, pray without ceasing. You know, you can pray riding down the road. You can pray riding on the lawnmower, man. You can, you know, you can talk to God anywhere. I used to think my grandpa was crazy when I was a little kid. He's out there on that tiller, man. He's tilling that soil, hoeing that garden, that had a push plow, laying those furrows out. And I'd see his lips are moving. And, you know, I'm a kid, you know, 12, 13 years old. I'm thinking, he's, he's, he's about half crazy. And that life dawned on me one day. He's talking to God. He's communicating with God. And uh, we have all these opportunities so many times. Uh, I mean, I'll be in the car going somewhere. I'll have an hour's drive. And I pray. I put some gospel music on and I'll pray. You know, I, I just get in touch with God. And man, I, I get out where I'm going and I'm pumped up, man. I'm, I'm encouraged. Why? I, when, see, when you pray, you get into His presence. That, that A prayer is like a key to a door. It opens a door into the room of His presence. And if you never pray, you never have that opportunity to get in His presence. You know? And we can go anytime, anytime. You don't have to say, God, can I set up an appointment with you? His door is open 24-7 if we'll just go. And, 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 and I like what you said about what they said. You can't let the devil beat you down because of your past, because everyone has something in their past that we know if everyone knew would hinder us, impede us, it would encroach upon us and, 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 and hurt us. But God doesn't spill the beans. He forgives us. And that's why it's important when we sin or we err, we miss the mark, we confess our sin. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is an epistle that is written to the church. So when you mess up, hey, confess up. You're right, Lord. I messed up. I'm going to make it right. I've said it as a pastor. Man, put a saddle on the altar and ride that thing all the way to heaven if you have to. Make it. Amen. I, I like that. When you when you mess up, confess up. That, yeah, man. Hey, it's a reality. <laughs> you're, not, you're not hiding it from God. So go ahead and tell it. And, and that's where that cleansing you know, that, that refreshing, man, it's off my chest, I'm clean again, I'm, I'm right, I'm, yep. it's straight, you know. Uh, you know, when you get reconciled in any kind of a matter, you just feel better about things because it's reconciled, it's healed, it's wound, the wound has been mended. It's just yep. a better feeling. And and that's, that's that's what we do. If you mess up, just, just confess up. Say, hey, Lord, hey, I messed up again. Hey, there's none of us that are perfect, I promise you that. I mean, <laughs> I wish I was better than, than than what I am, but I'm incarcerated in this old clay jar, and I'm I'm held captive to it till I die. But the day I die, I'll be free from that old clay jar, and that's where the problems lie. They're in our flesh. That's the enemy of the soul of men is our flesh. What a fantastic message, Pastor. David Langford, the voice of evangelism.com. Pastor, you've taken us to the end of the broadcast. A much needed spiritual uplifting spiritual message in a uh, shot of uh, spiritual shot of B12 and really appreciate well, great. that. Great. Always message. remember, folks, God never gets tired of forgiving, but always remember, forgive yourself. 
because you're going to make mistakes. But as you grow older, wiser, and mature, those mistakes will become less and less because wisdom begins to prevail. You say, that will not happen again. I'm not going there again. I will not get involved in that again. That's where wisdom begins to nurture the soul and preserve you and protect you. God bless you guys. God bless every mother listening. Have a happy Mother's Day this weekend. And husbands, Mm -hmm. treat mama right and take her out and buy her something nice and a steak and some beautiful roses. And I know she'll love you for that. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, Pastor. I ought to get an amen on that, shouldn't I, Doug? Amen, indeed. (laughs) And, and, and folks, think of uh, Pro Flowers and Sherry's Berries, indeed. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and God bless. We'll see you guys next week. All right. That'll do it for us. Until tomorrow, stay safe. God bless. Have a great night. 